Hey there, podcast listener. Steven here from the podcast you're currently listening to. You ever heard a podcast and think, I can do that? Well, maybe you can, or maybe you can't, or maybe I can help you get started with it. Hosting is the most expensive cost you'll have in a podcast, and that's why Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast. Really, they have everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. With Anchor's hosting, you can distribute your podcast to other listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a whole lot more. And if you think you can do a better job than I, record a podcast right now. There's very low risk involved. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to the Lazy Geeks Network. our weekly news podcast that discuss news from the world of geek that interest us from the past week. <laughs> I like that rhyme now. Uh, this is for the week of July 30th, 2017. I'm Stephen Vargas. I'm Adam Riley. Wow, could you be any more excited? Hey, um, I'm Adam Riley. Okay. <laughs> Just fucking deal, right? <laughs> Names on the wall. Stop bothering me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Adam motherfucking Riley. Okay? <laughs> what up? <laughs> Shit. Damn. Damn, son. <laughs> <laughs> uh so um really quickly, um I know we've promoted this for a very long time about listening to us on Stitcher. But I actually just started using the Stitcher app. Um cuz you know, I I've kind of always been using uh, uh, just downloading the podcast as you do from like, um, uh, what was the one I was using? Uh, podcast. Podcast Addict. Yeah, there you go. Uh, podcast Addict. Uh, mostly because I was. I'm, that app is a mess, though. It started to annoy me. It, it's really, yeah, it's it's still pretty bad. Like if you just download an episode or two and you haven't subscribed to it, good luck trying to get back to the episodes. Yeah. Um, to try to like you have to subscribe to it in order to get it. So it, that was kind of frustrating me. But at the same time, I I'm one of those guys that over like you overthink shit. I over worry about my data. Like yeah. like I oh, I have that unlimited plan, bro. Well, yeah. So, but the thing you know. like for me, I use I have it connected to Wi-Fi at home. When I get to work, when I'm at work, I had it connected to uh, a Time Warner hotspot. So the only time I literally would you not use uh, Time Warner hotspot is either one I felt out of a Time Warner hotspot and it's between home and work which is about a mile away <laughs> so it's like <laughs> you know um, but uh, so 
I started to use the Stitcher app because I kind of wanted to get more familiar with it and and um, the user interface. But I I dig it. Yeah. Like I, I I dig it because like you can do the favorite playlist, and the awesome thing about it is that it just when one finishes, it goes right to the next the most recent one on your playlist. Like with the new ones, it doesn't start from like, you know, all the ones you haven't listened to. Because that was one of the things that bugged me about Podcast Addict was the fact that if you subscribe, if you didn't go into the fucking settings, it would download every episode that you haven't listened to. Yeah, you had to set it up first. Yeah. And um, and one time I did, I think I, I, I deleted it because it was running a little glitchy and then I, I reinstalled it. And then when I added the podcast all of a sudden i'm like why is this thing not downloading then i'm like oh because it's downloading 50 podcasts from you know uh from this show and and all 200 episodes from last last podcast on the left and all that shit i'm like fuck no stop (laughs) um stop no stop stop (laughs) you're killing me i'm dead you know um (laughs) i'm dead (laughs) but uh, yeah i love i love this i only use the um favorite playlist yeah. So you can set up playlists for like if entertainment. It depends on your podcast you listen to. I thought about I don't, that. Right. I don't listen to too many. And I don't really, I'm never like, oh, I'm in the mood for this type of podcast. So I have a, a few, I think I have like five or six favorite podcasts. And I just love how it's all in this one list <laughs> and it's always organized by what's the newest. Yeah. And then you just hit it and then it will, um, it will just keep going down your list. It doesn't go down the the whole thing. So yeah, it's fucking dope. Yeah, because one of the things that I always I like you can da- like I think is it if you get premium you can download the podcasts or was that the yes. part? Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah, because um, the one thing that I liked is that it plays the newest episode and then skips to the next episode on your playlist. And then um, so one of the cool things that I really liked about it is the fact that you know. I can just stream it. I don't have to download because I cut down because I spent so much time downloading shit that I just cut down on the podcast that I listen to on, on podcast addict. But the one thing that I tend to do and, um, and I know you just started listening to them was the last podcast on the left. Yeah. I like listening to some of their old episodes. So I like to be being able to just click on it and then just kind of scroll down and then play it as opposed to, okay, find the episodes you want, download those episodes um, because like I told Adam, I got not all the podcasts and not every episode is great. You know, if you're listening to one, you're just kind of like, okay, you know, move on to the next one. Let's right. complete this one. Move on. Um, it's just easier to move around. And like, I you have it. And I, I've re-added like a bunch of podcasts on here. I went back and got my DC comic squad cast. I added, uh, uh, back my favorite murder, uh, last podcast on the daily tech news show. You know, this new podcast that I found called very bad words. And uh, mm. they, it's it's actually really cool because it's a guy. It's like thirty minutes, and it's every two weeks. And the guy takes a certain curse word and then goes into, you know, why we use it, what we use it, what we use it for. The last podcast they had the c word, and they were oh. they were talking about how it is here, but they go how it is overseas in the UK. You're just it's just slang for you're a fucking idiot, right? You know, as opposed to the way it is here, and um, you know, so. It was a, uh, it was pretty interesting. So you know, so I got a bunch of those and some that I haven't listened to in forever. So I just created this whole place. But I was looking at them like, you know, I have I have a lot of true crime. I have a lot of tech and gaming and movie stuff, including our shit. You know, I'm like, maybe I should just fucking do playlists and just like, hey, I want to listen to some true crime shit or, you know, what have you. 
but uh, but yeah, I've been digging that app so far, and and now um, I know you have that uh, unlimited, but um, Verizon started doing um, rollovers, so every month whatever percentage of um, of your data that you don't use rolls over to the next month on top of your regular one. Yeah, I got rollover, had unlimited last month, roll right over the next <laughs> month. <laughs> anyway, no, I, I like to be I like to be a dick, but I don't even pay for my fucking phone. Right. So like my, my so father you just has shut the his, fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> full disclosure, my father has his own business and he has a business plan. Like a typical millennial. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> I live off of other people's teeth. <laughs> it's like what? But uh but yeah, so now I'm closing in like nine gigs this month of like combined data. Because I only have the five gig plan. <laughs> now I have like nine gigs. I'm like, I guess I could start streaming a little more now. <laughs> see how that works. But now that I'm not working, it's like, oh, I guess I'll just um, stream it off my Wi-Fi then. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Wonder Woman. We know her. We love her. Some of us masturbate to her. Don't lie. Okay. Some of us? It, All of us. You know, even if you're a woman, it's a no homo. You know, No, the, it's expected. Yeah. No, um, much like all, I said about Patrick Swayze today. <laughs> all sexist jokes aside, um, the the Princess of Themyscira's movie has passed uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two in box office gross. Um, currently, is the second biggest movie of 2017, only behind Beauty and the Beast, um, which actually I didn't think Beauty and the Beast was going to do that good. Be completely honest with you. I forgot. I thought, I thought people were gonna. Eh. And my kids have watched it like seven times. I haven't even watched it once. I've seen bits and pieces of it. It's well done, yeah. you know. But actually, I haven't seen any of the live action Disney shit. I don't know mm. why. That Aladdin one too is coming out with soon. Whatever. <laughs> um. So according to Box Office Mojo, the, the I'm already. Total... I'm not gonna see because they have Will Smith as a fucking genie. I'm like, no, thank you. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. No. Um, the total domestic earnings for director Patty Jenkins' DC film now stands at $389.7 million, edging out uh, The Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 at 387.3 domestic. Oh, that's domestic, by the way. Right. Um, when looking at worldwide figures, however, Wonder Woman still remains behind the James Gunn-directed Marvel sequel. So worldwide behind, um, however, domestic Americans... Americans America. are feeling Wonder Woman. <laughs> uh, Pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just ahead of it, just ahead of its fifth weekend in theaters, Wonder Woman surpasses Batman vs Superman, Suicide Squad, and Man of Steel to become the DCEU's highest-grossing movie at the North American box office, which makes complete sense because it is the best one. Yeah. So, um, which is kind of funny because you think Wonder Woman passed a Batman Superman movie. You know, it's kind of like, you know, that's kind of got to kind of blow your mind it's a little so, bit. It's kind of dope, though, when you think about oh, it, absolutely. right? It's, it's it's like the female, the main female DC hero is the top one right well, now. Even it's kind of it's kind of cool. Even if you look at the first like they fucking DC and, and I'm glad because it's like you could tell DC knows this because in the news trailer since um, since Wonder Woman came out. What's the first scene you see in the fucking um, new trailer of a Justice League? Wonder Woman whipping some ass, right? You know, and it's just like, of course they they get it now. Like they that's like they got it, and you know, and and 
I hope other and this is the pro this is the one thing that I'm concerned about is that yeah Wonder Woman did great and I I love Wonder Woman I thought it was awesome I love that movie um, I'm just very scared that everybody's gonna start doing women based comic book characters and it turns into shit just try to copy yeah yeah you know but who knows all I know is the Wonder Woman movie was the shit um. And yeah, you can see in the comics the most overhyped film of last year. Blah blah blah. <laughs> you know, it, yes, it was overhyped, but then it came out and everybody liked. It. That's the thing. So, it's like a movie's overhyped, yeah, but then when it actually comes out and it lives up to the hype, that that says something. Right. Some, I saw some article that was talking about like um, Wonder the uh, most the biggest cosplay at Comic Con was Wonder Woman. They go that says something. That should say something to you know the industry. And it should, because a lot of women felt empowered by seeing Wonder Woman coming out and being that strong and all the women, primarily the women, because that's the biggest thing you had. Guys would have probably, most guys would have probably been like, fuck yeah, she's badass, you know? But the women base is what really got it. And and what video got me, I don't know if it got, if you saw it, but was that little girl that cried when she was at Comic-Con and was with Gal Gadot? And, oh, I did see that. Yeah, you know, and, and she started crying, and then she's just, like, you know, talking to her and stuff like that. And then you're seeing the guy that plays the Flash looking over, and then he starts, like, going, oh, yeah, she's totally going to be a warrior. Well, Gal, Gal Gadot is such she, a personable person. Like, she's so, she's so like, every she treats everyone as important. Yeah. It doesn't matter who she's talking to. You know, it's it's kind of amazing. And, she's that, she, and she's, she has that, like, that beauty that, is obviously stand off. You're like, oh, there's no way, you know, she would even remotely. But then she'll be like, you be she, the way she talks to people is like, you're the most important person in the room. And it, I wish she would talk to me like that. Oh God, yeah. I, <laughs> if she spoke to me, I would be that little girl. <laughs> if she spoke to me, I wouldn't. I would freeze. Yeah, yeah. I would be that little girl. I'd be crying in front of her, right? Like, you know, because it'd be like, you know, and you you see her, and then she's there, and she's crying, and then you just see her whole, and you're just like, oh, you know, talking to her, and you're just kind of, and then as it as they, um, you know, she's talking to her, you see like Ben Affleck and um, Jason Momoa look over there and smile, and then Ben Affleck does that little like pointing the thumb over there, like look at them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean that's how important she is, you know. It's yeah. like now you have the living embodiment of somebody that, you know, that's as badass as you hoped, you know. So it's it's really it was really cool and and I'm glad I'm that was one of the things I was really hoping it'd be good and on the same token really hoping it rocked so so that brings us to our new section of the podcast I like to call when Magic the Gathering gets real <laughs> this shit was trip dude <laughs> I was like wow <laughs> so this actually this comes from just uh, Io Nine. A 31-year-old man has been charged with stabbing another guy seven times and hitting him with a mallet after an argument broke out during a game of Magic the Gathering. According to the St. Cloud Police Department in Minnesota, Elijah Kresh and his 20-year-old gaming buddy, not anymore, uh, were playing Magic the Gathering card game overnight Friday when the two men got into a heated argument. We don't know about what but i'm going i'm doing a head cannon that uh creature's opponent did not double strike using blood mist and a blood mad vi- uh, vampire and crash did not care for that police said crash hit the guy in the head with the rubber mallet then stabbed him seven times in the front sides and back of his neck crash ended up calling 911 worrying the man was gonna die well you think i mean you know when you use yeah. a knife and 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 uh, a rubber mallet 
that could be an outcome. Right. Luckily, the victim was taken to the hospital and his injuries did not look life-threatening. Kretsch was arrested and charged with first and second degree assault. He also has a prior conviction for keeping explosives with intent to use them, but investigators did not find anything in the search of his home. So obviously this this guy has some bigger issues (laughs) that need to be addressed. But I have, um, I was telling Steve, I've seen some shit. I used to go um, to a lot of, I used to play Magic the Gathering. I was never very good, but I used to play it because it's a cool game. But I used to go to a lot of the local tournaments and um, just kind of, just watching, you know, and and I've seen some people flip tables. (laughs) I I saw a dude get punched in the mouth. (laughs) Like, it's just, the the problem is, and it's not really a problem, but um, Magic the Gathering is, is a complex card game. It's one of the more complex uh, COD games that you can play. And with that comes tension. But it's also one of those games where someone will think they've done something really good, and then someone, the uh, the opponent will be like, ha, but I'm stopping that now with this card. You know, so there's a lot of that backstabbing type of shit. There's a lot of that, like, you thought you were going to get the upper hand, but bam, now this card just wiped your fucking board. <laughs> you know, so people are like, fucking Jesus, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a fucking game let's all calm down right. you know um but yeah i actually that reminds me i was thinking about taking my magic cards to the store and selling them oh really they, they're just sitting here collecting dust oh yeah, yeah like yeah. my kids my kids wanted to start playing it because they want to do something i did when i was a kid right but dungeons and dragons is a lot cheaper <laughs> than right those cod games man i was spending because i was doing it when i was like 17 yeah and half of my paycheck at my job would go to magic gathering cards because you're you're like i need to get more i need to get more decks i need to get my deck needs to be more solid you know and you just get so into it and then you by the by the end you're like fuck like i could have paid rent you know what i mean so i I really don't want to do that for all the kids i have well you know what you know what i was doing at 17 collecting comic books and bitches that's what i was doing at hey, comic books and bitches well i was collecting bitches too D- don't get it twist okay and i spent the other half of my paycheck on that so <laughs> uh and uh this one we kind of added late but um i think that the, the, the it still stands we have a motto here at the lazy geeks fuck video memes yes what the fuck is that about this is the, so to clarify for someone who might be confused I have noticed, and Steve as well, that on fa- Facebook mostly, someone will post a meme, but it's in a video format, but there's no video. It's right. it's literally just a meme, and you'll click the video and nothing happens. Right. I don't understand why. It makes no fucking sense. Adam shared one yesterday on Facebook, and then I noticed that, and I was like, the fuck is with that vi- those, these video memes? And then I shared one with Adam, and I didn't realize at the moment, when I, that just after I shared it, I was like, this is a fucking video meme. I go, God. And then Adam's like, what is up with this? And I'm like, right? And then we just went into this guy. Well, I just did a show notes. Fuck video memes. Yeah, we got angry yeah, about we it. Were like, fucking start a, we got to start a revolution about this shit. It's one of those things where it's not harming you in any way, but it makes it no makes sense, sense yeah. whatsoever. It offends you. You're just <laughs> like, I'm done with this. It offends you based strictly on the point of actually existing. Like, there's no right. reason for it to exist. If you have a meme, it's a picture. Just take that and put it out there. No fucking Do not videos. Make it a fucking video, or I will find you. I'm <laughs> sick of it. All right. Get your shit together. Right. Get get right is what we're trying to say. Get right with the Lord. Right. <laughs> Jeez. Uh. 
So on that revolutionary note, start that campaign, yeah. get it out there, get it out there on the interwebs. That's right. The internet's been making a lot of fucking mistakes this week. So let's get out there and, and, and settle this I shit. Proposition 876, <laughs> memes will not be video format. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and on that note, we move to our one awesome thing. So when you run a news site for seven years, you tend to see the same story repeat itself over time. However, there are times when you come across something that you have been saying for years, like how is BlackBerry still a thing, or when will Sprint become a real wireless company, and when will Flash <laughs> become a thing of the past? Well, it seems the last one finally has an end date. According to a, an Adobe blog post, they are killing off Flash by the end of 2020. It seems that they have finally seen the writing on the wall, especially since browsers like Chrome, Microsoft Edge, and Safari are blocking Flash for the past year in favor of HTML5. Quote, we will stop updating and distributing the Flash player at the end of 2020 and encourage content creators to migrate any Flash content to the new open formats, Adobe said in their post. But as an open standards like HTML5, WebGL, and WebAssembly have matured over the past years, most now provide many of the capabilities and functionalities that, plugin pioneered, that plugins pioneered and have become a viable alternate to the content of the web. Over time, we've seen helper ads evolve to become plugins, and more recently have seen many of these plugin capabilities get incorporated into open web standards. Today, most browser vendors are integrating capabilities once provided by plugins directly into browsers and deprecating plugins. Adobe notes that it will continue to support Flash until 2020 with partners like Apple, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, and Mozilla. Edge and Internet Explorer will be disabled by default in mid to late 2019 with complete removal uh, from all supported versions of Windows by 2020. Google will continue phasing out uh, Flash over the next few years, while Mozilla says Firefox users will be able to choose which websites are able to run Flash next month and allow Firefox extended support release users to keep using Flash until the end of 2020. Apple is also supportive of the 2020 end of life for Flash, and Safari currently requires explicit approval on each website even when Mac users opt to install Flash. Ever since the adoption of Apple and their mobile devices use of HTML5, it began to see um, Adobe's days numbered. Back in 2010, we commented on Adobe's lack of vision in regards to their Flash product and have always cited as being poor in battery life and many have full of security, uh, and full of many security flaws and their end was inevitable. Hopefully we will still be around to see the end and comment on it <laughs> 2020 is a couple years away so you know we're still doing this the writing's been on the wall for adobe for so fucking long dude it like, was it was funny when i saw that i was like shit i remember us talking about this like way back in the day right you know just like just sitting there going fuck just be done with it adobe come on stop it just stop it <laughs> fucking stop it yeah i'm getting loud Cause it's serious. I'm so pumped up about the um, video. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> We're gonna so, blame Adobe on that too, just because. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fucking Adobe. Um, my one awesome thing isn't. I mean, it's awesome from a technological standpoint, <laughs> but it's kind of like, oh shit. So this article comes out of IGN. We haven't quite reached the terrifying sci-fi hellscape described by the Terminator franchise, but researchers at Facebook have brought. Us just a bit closer to the age of the machines. 
Recently, they pulled the plug on an artificial intelligence system after it developed its own language. The AI in question was actually designed to maximize efficiency in language, but according to Fast Code Design, the researchers forgot to add a crucial rule in its programming. The language had to be English. So the two AI agents moved on with their programming to communicate as efficiently. Now, two AI agents as in the two AIs, basically. Um, Moved on with their programming to communicate as efficiently as their programming would allow, putting the conversation between the two outside the understanding of human beings. Uh, Quote, agents will drift off off understandable language and invent code words for themselves. Georgia Tech Research Science, scientist uh, Daruv Batra said, uh, this isn't anything new either. It's something that keeps cropping up when researchers experiment with this type of AI. The purpose of these particular Facebook AI agents is to communicate in English, so programmers reworked the code to get the AI back on track. But if AI is allowed to keep to its own devices, Fasco Design said, the, it eventually creates a language all its own, one that can't be understood by human beings. Um, now is the perfect time to prepare yourself for the oh yeah, it's just an ad. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of terrifying. <laughs> like it's like uh, your languages are inefficient. We're just gonna have a secret fucking pig Latin language over here. No thanks. <laughs> the only thing I have to say to that is fucking Skynet shit. <laughs> what was it um did you ever see that video that i sent you the star trek the next uh, star trek the libertarian generation yeah <laughs> guys like uh computer let me see the trump presidency and it's the fucking backdrop of t2 with the the armageddon that is like let me see the <laughs> let me see the clinton presidency and it's the same thing <laughs> oh man yeah so i did i I came across that and I was like, yeah, I'm, I don't entirely get excited when I see it, but it, it was something that was pretty impressive. So I was like, I'll put it up. One awesome <laughs> thing. Why not? Yeah, right. Like, sure. Why not? <laughs> All right. So our main topic this week will be about the war between Marvel and DC. But before uh, before that, let's talk about the headlines. And we're actually not talking about the war. We're just going to be talking about Marvel versus DC. So, right. So calm your calm your emails and your tweets and your letters down. Yes, please calm down. <laughs> so in entertainment news, the internet is an interesting place. Much like a significant other, you begin to wonder just what the major takeaway of a story truly is. It seems that a story going around based on a variety post claims that Warner Brothers is spending some serious cash on extensive reshoots for their upcoming film, Justice League. Unfortunately, the basis of the article seems to be focusing on the amount of reshoots since um, that have since been completed. But the takeaway for many sites re-reporting it is that they will be digitally removing Henry Cavill's mustache. Reshoots are a common thing in Hollywood, but it seems that any word of reshoots on any property means it is in trouble. And that is not always the case. The school uh, To school people that do not know how reshoots work, a film completes its original principal photography. Once they get into the editing bay and put together a rough cut of the film, is this is when they discover that the film needs extra scenes to explain certain material, removal of a scene, and need reshoots to cover, um, to cover it, or sometimes something just doesn't work 
Uh, you would think that many of these sites that report on films know this. However, you cannot drive up ad revenue unless you say that Justice League, Rogue One, Suicide Squad, or whatever is in trouble because they are in reshoots. These are all factored into the schedule of all actors and crews with the original when the original deal is done. Now, Justice, League's se Justice League seems to be different in that arena. After Zack Snyder stepped down due to personal issues, Joss Whedon had stepped in and claimed it was for dialogue revisions and some connectivity issues. Although the report claims that they are spending $25 million on reshoots, which is not out of the realm of possibility, however, they are normally under that threshold. The point of the piece is to cite that it is more than simply punching up dialogue. So much so that Cavill has slated, uh, was slated to complete filming of Mission Impossible 6 before doing reshoots. But with the extensive amount of reshoots, Cavill has been shuttling between both projects or uh, productions to get more of the additional filming done earlier. Since his character Mission Impossible has a mustache, Paramount will not let him remove it since production is still commencing. Thus, the story of Wheaton will, have, uh, will remove it digitally. Now, if the sources that Variety is citing is to be believed, it does not seem unheard of nowadays that an extensive reshoot could happen. Rogue One is a prime example of an alternate ending, which did not diminish the success it had. However, it seems that many want Warner Brothers and their DC universe to suffer, and this story just feeds into that. Whether it's true or not is irrelevant, but what it, uh, it's what hits the screen in November that counts. Because, and I'm sure most of you have seen that where it's like, oh, you know, they're going to have to, Henry Cavill's mustache is going to have to be deleted. And it's like, that's not the point of the article. It's just one of the pieces in there. And it just bothers me so much when you just, you know, with, with shit like that. And it's just like, ugh. So it, it wasn't so it's much. Honestly, it's honestly, it's almost not news. Yeah. It's like, it's like really, it's, it's really clickbait is to get that. And then you get all this other shit. And it was just like, that's why it was like, that's why my whole thing was like, let's calm down. Right. <laughs> we need to calm down about this because it's like, you know, for for movie sites, you guys are fucking stupid. Uh, greed. And that's been a common thing. Now. Like, I don't even give a fuck anymore right. about some of some of the a lot of sites I've written off. Like, I know um, one of the hated. I don't even know what they're doing nowadays. We've been ignoring them for so many years. But uh, what was it? Latin review or something? Oh, yeah, they became I think they became like heroic Hollywood or something like that. I fully ignore them. They became dumb shit is what they became. <laughs> yeah, their whole I remember their whole big thing when um, they were going to do Batman versus Superman. Uh, Nolan's going to direct and um, Christian Bale is going to be Batman again. And we were like, um, no, because they literally had basically the way I see Latin review and they'll always be Latin. <laughs> um, is they they have a bunch of concepts and stuff written down on index cards, and then they have sticky tape on the back, and they throw them, and whatever <laughs> sticks, they'll right. combine them. It's like a Mad Libs of fucking news. It's ridiculous. Oh shit! Can you can you imagine like that staff meeting is just it actually is Mad Libs. Whatever comes to mind. Okay, uh, Jessica Alba, uh, Suicide Squad, Adam Riley married. Yeah, oh. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and it's like, okay, so uh, our story today is going to be Jessica Alba is going to be uh, Poison Ivy in Suicide Squad. Go. That wouldn't even make any sense. You'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> All right, so. Speaking of. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> News, and this this out of, comes straight from uh, the mouth of babes over there, okay? 
Stephen Vagas. News about James Cameron coming back to the Terminator franchise is always a tricky one. People report any news that comes from it, but keep in mind that we are still waiting for those 90 new Avatar sequels we have been promised for nearly eight years now. Hey, it takes a long time to make those movies, yeah. you know. Well, I figure... You gotta get rights from Disney since it's fucking Pocahontas. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think I was the only person who didn't like that movie. I liked it. I mean... Like, I don't hate movies. There's very few movies I hate. But usually because it's trying to shove a message down my throat. Right. But I watched it and I just wasn't... It was. I watched it when everyone was like, oh my god, Avatar's the shit. And I watched it at Steve's house. And I was just like, this is okay. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I liked it, but it, it does have... It does have depreciating uh, review ability. Like, right. Like, you can watch it once, and then maybe you watch it a second time, or maybe, like, two times, but then the third, fourth time, you're just like, all right, I'm done. And even then, the visuals are good, but then you realize everything's fucking blue. So you're just <laughs> like, you know, whatever. Um, Marvel has done a complete universe in the time it has taken him to make a single sequel to Avatar. So take everything with a grain of salt. While he is out promoting the re-release of T2 in 3D, he spoke with an Australian publication that has set the internet on fire. He is claiming to be in negotiations to oversee a new three-film arc of the franchise. Keep in mind, oversee does not mean he will either write or direct. And with all those Avatar sequels, we are promised, when would... Who would have the time? You're really hung up on these Avatar sequels, aren't you? <laughs> well, he's been talking I about I feel there's for... an emotion there somewhere. <laughs> because it's like, oh, he's like, oh, we've casted this person for these sequels. It, it's like, it's like the boogeyman. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to accept that we have an Avatar sequel until I'm sitting in the theater, you know, right. wait, watching it. Because he's been talking about this for, yeah, like the last 10 years. <laughs> The question is, has the franchise franchise run its course or can it be freshened up? Cameron told the publication. Can it still have relevance now where so much of our world is catching up to what was science fiction in the first two films? We live in a world of predator drones and surveillance and big data and emergent AI. Uh, yes, that would mean, yes, it is still relevant, Cameron. <laughs> let's, keep it, let's keep it true. So I'm in discussions with David Ellison. Um, who is currently current right, rights holder globally for the Terminator franchise. The rights in the U.S. market refer to me under U.S. copyright law in a year and a half. So he and I are talking about what we can do. Right now we're leaning toward doing a free film act and reinventing it. We'll put more meat on the bones if we get past the next couple of hurdles as and when we announce that. So it kind of sounds like they were bullshitting at the bar or something. Right. You know what I mean? Over, like a, cup, over, of, a, over a plate of chicken wings. Exactly. And mozzarella Genesis, sticks. I love mozzarella sticks. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> I don't, I, I kind of can't eat them anymore, but I, I still, I like them. Um, Genesis was originally designed to be a soft reboot, but the that landed, this isn't a quote, by the way, but that landed with a, well, it's a quote of Steve, um, <laughs> landed with a thud in theaters. A reboot of this franchise, given the advancement of the technology, is not totally out of the realm of possibility. Given the influence and backing of Cameron, it could give the first film of the new franchise a solid boost, but it would have to be the strength of the new story that would keep people coming back. However, 
with all the sequels and projects he wants. And there you go again. You, you caught up on them. <laughs> he really wants an Avatar too, folks. That's what it is. I like reading your stories because I can poke at you while I'm reading them. <laughs> um, with all the sequels and projects he wants to do, we will have to wait and see. Keep in mind that the rights revert back to Cameron in 2019, so I can imagine that it will be a while before we hear something, much less see any. And I completely agree with that. I feel like he's referencing... Now, this is something that James Cameron is seasoned enough that he should know not to do. But I feel like he's just referencing two people spitballing something. Right. You know, and, and not, plus and he's not promoting really... T2, which everybody considers the last T, real T2, T movie that we've had. I actually like Terminator 3. I love Terminator 2. Because it tied up a lot of story loose ends. Yeah. You know, especially the deleted scenes on the DVD. Well, in the, in the podcast that Patrick and I are doing next month, coming into August... Uh, it's one of it's one of the movies that we selected as uh, uh, sequels that were better than the original. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, T two was fucking great. Oh yeah. The original was good, but it was more of like a horror movie. Yeah, it was, and it was you know there was still a lot of well, it was also done in mid eighties, you know, yeah. and it was like you know stop motion, so the Terminator wasn't as you know imposing unless it was Arnold, but you know. T2, you had Arnold, and then you had the fucking Liquid Terminator. You know, that shit just got ridiculous. Dun, dun, right. dun, 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 even though she's hot. <laughs> what? T3, the the female. Oh, in Terminator 3? Yeah, she was hot. But Oh, you said Liquid, and it, made, it reminded me of when her arm morphed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. All right, so in gaming news, uh, this po- this this podcast this uh, story is in two parts because there's the original story and then the uh, then the um, update. So I'm going to read the original and then go with the update. So during our Lazy Geeks podcast on Monday, last Monday, we brought you guys a story about Walmart taking pre-orders for Nintendo's latest Super NES Mini Classic. During the podcast, I had mentioned that it was weird that U.S. pre-ordering was done in a piecemeal fashion. Well, Polygon reported on Monday, the day that the podcast came out, that those pre-orders were a mistake. Uh, Due to a technical glitch, Walmart's pre-order went live and allowed people to order it. Now, those that hoped to see it arriving on their doorstep are getting canceled notices. Uh, It seems that pre-orders went live Friday night, shortly before 11.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, and crashed the website in 30 minutes. Well, it seems that on Saturday, early reports were coming in that Walmart was canceling orders uh, due to the big Comic-Cons day on Saturday. It seemed that no one bothered to notice until Monday. In a Twitter exchange, a Walmart rep told a customer that it went live due to a website error. The rep added the orders are placed will be canceled. It would seem that there is currently no plan to allow some stores to pre-order while others waited. But Europe has already ordered theirs. The U.S. market is still waiting to get their hands on the pre-orders. There is still no timetable as to when the Super NES mini consoles will be available and no reason as to why uh, Walmart allowed the pre-orders to happen. We will update this post uh, and uh, be sure to listen to the podcast to see where we discussed it. Now, the update, which happened uh, a couple days later... It's it's been fi- since yeah it has been five days since the computer glitch at Walmart allowed people to pre-order the Super NES Classic uh, Mini, only to find out that they were not actually available for pre-order and all pre-orders were being canceled within that five-day period. Walmart had not responded until today. Quote: 
Unfortunately, due to a technical glitch, the Super Nintendo Classic Edition was mistakenly made available last Friday um, ahead of the official release date, said uh, Desiree Delani, Senior Director of Customer Care at Walmart, in an email pre uh, to pre-order customers this afternoon, according to Polygon. Quote, we regret, regrettably will have to cancel this item on your order. We know that this is uh, incredibly disappointing to you and we are truly sorry for this mistake. Now, if you paid with a gift card or PayPal, you receive a refund once your order has been canceled. Credit card, purchase were, um, credit card purchases were not charged. Still no word on when those pre-orders were happen, given that I think mid-September is when they're expected to come out, so. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Walmart fucking straight mess. fucking up. <laughs> Late, this year, there's been a lot of fucking mess ups with shit. Yeah, I've like, noticed. I, like, I don't like. I don't get it. Like, how a website glitch allowed them to pre-order? It's like that's more than a glitch. Somebody had to go somebody in turning there. something on before they should have. Exactly. That's maybe it maybe like. it was somebody's last day. Like, going, all right, you yeah, gonna fire my it? ass? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like me. <laughs> right. You want to write me up for taking an extra smoke break? Suck a dick. <laughs> you know. So this dick. <laughs> Turn it might on. be petty. It might be petty, but I just don't give a fuck. <laughs> you, uh, oh, yeah, well, you think I should pay for my McDonald's meals in those WalMarts? Fuck you. Click. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. I'm yawning. Um, that's how riveted we are here, <laughs> right? Listen, sometimes days are long, folks. Okay, <laughs> it is what it is. So the plot thickens with a. Uh, the Pokemon Go fucking disaster. I hope you can explain um, this to me because I'm a bit confused. I will. I'm going to read the article and then I'll I'll answer any questions you have. Well, hopefully the article what I will answer it for me. Right. <laughs> Following the disastrous events of last year's Pokemon Go Fest, a few dozen event attendees are banding together to sue developer Niantic. According to Thomas Zimmerman, the lawyer organizing the lawsuit, the attendees feel that Niantic did not provide the experience that was advertised and want reimbursement for travel and other expenses. As previously reported, Pokemon Go Fest, and this is from IGN, previous Pokemon Go Fest was a bit of a mess. The game was unplayable for most attendees, prompting Niantic to offer ticket refunds and in-game credit as an apology. However, the attendees who created this lawsuit are seeking reparations uh, for their other expenses as well. Quote, we're not seeking any relief with respect to the failure to get legendary Pokemon because Niantic is offering that, Zimmerman told po Polygon. But Niantic is not offering to refund people's travel expenses for coming to Chicago. Most of the people came from out of state, many people from other countries. Niantic has made further attempts to remedy the situation, extending the period of time rare Pokemon could be caught to give more time to attendees. But Zimmerman states, at this point, the attendees simply want their expenses covered more than anything else so okay real quick what do you have any direct questions no because well because that's that's what i was like confused on i was like well if they're paying because i was i i didn't well at least from the publications that i read i didn't see about the extra like they wanted reparations for you know emotional stress and 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 you know their um uh what do you call it the the extra travel, travel expenses and hotel and stuff like that which you know, it, it makes sense because it's 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 a bit of a bullshit kind of thing. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to give you this experience. Oh, by the way, none of it works. <laughs> right. You know? So basically, for those who are living under a rock during the Pokemon Go craze, 
Um, it's an it's an online only game where you walk around in the real world and Pokemon pop up on your phone and you can catch them. Um, so they had this event in Chicago. Whatever happened to that? Like it was such a craze. I guess then... people still play it, but well, the problem is Niantic. Niantic made a game and then they, they didn't really do anything with it at first, so people got bored. Yeah. Like they pr- made all these promises and they didn't follow through with them quick enough, so everybody just kind of dropped off. Um, I played it for like a week and then was like, yeah, that's boring. And I just stopped playing it. Um, so basically, I, I I think I remember reading the Wi-Fi didn't work or something. So people basically couldn't connect to the game. There were too many people in that area. And, and the servers just weren't couldn't working. And sh- Yeah. So basically, they came there for nothing. Because right. they were supposed to be able to catch legendary Pokemon and all that. Which you all think these Pokemon they you, trainers. You, which you think they would have, you know... Like made sure the Wi-Fi was going to work because you know a lot of people are going to show up. Or something. It was either I think it was a mixture of the Wi-Fi and also just their servers being overloaded. Um, but you know how many people are coming, so right. stress test your shit right. and make sure it's up to par. That's what, it's, well, I don't know why. Given that's the, so, fa- so given the fact that given the fact that it was you know you know something like you know Pokemon Go and stuff like that, maybe they just followed um you know Nintendo's thing of oh we underestimated. You know the amount of people and the amount of Wi-Fi that was needed for this. So. <laughs> That's that joke's never gonna get old. <laughs> no. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if they're, I, I get it. I get why it's like, well, you made us come out here because you said this was gonna be cool and it sh- it was shit and all that stuff. But you know, I mean, it's like. Yeah, it, it, I mean, you, you, it's first, like if you go to Comic Con and Comic Con fucking fucks you over and stuff like that, they give you free taste. They're not gonna reimburse you for your hotel trip and all that stuff. Because I've seen in the comments where like, it's just Pokemon Go. Who fucking cares? Like you're not looking at the big picture. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter what it's it, it's for. They they were promised something. Yeah, traveled. Well, they, it's, to a they city don't they and, don't they don't get it because it's not there. If they went to a concert and the band, you know, if they were like, oh yeah, we're gonna have, um, you know. uh trying to think ariana grande perform and then and then she just didn't show up and no but then you have somebody else you know some youtube singer or something like that who is going to basically do like a tribute of ariana grande you're going to probably be a little pissed off about that right (laughs) but are you going to ask for your money back for the ticket and gas to get there or money for uber that you used to get there and the food that you had before you went there you know it's like you know it's like well they lawyered up and the lawyer is going to you know how they do it. The yeah. lawyer's going to try to do get as much as possible, and then a judge is going to go, okay, we'll give you this, but we're going to cut these things off. Or they're going to throw you it know? out and say, like, no. It's like they refunded right. you this, they refunded you that for the event itself, the hotel. It'll, so most, they, likely, it'll most likely end in a settlement. Probably. Like these things always do. Yeah. So. All right. So moving on into comic book news. Um this week is coming out um, a, I was going to say revisionist, but it's actually a, a updated version of the old 80s uh, cartoon, anime cartoon series called Robotech. And uh, it's coming out this week. It was supposed to be out last week, but I think uh, the uh, the uh, Titan who uh, who's backing this one actually ended up pushing it back to the 1st of, uh, of August. So uh, I'm giving you a review on that first issue. So here it goes. Uh, if you grew up in the 80s, you most likely remember an anime cartoon called Robotech. It was an anime cartoon series made from three different series. series. 
rescripted and repackaged as a complete saga telling one story. Earlier this year was announced that it would be retold in a comic book series starting on August. Uh, Robotech 1 has some elements to offer, but definitely a walk down memory lane. In the new script by Brian Wood, the series picks up, much like the cartoon series some 32 years ago, a extraterrestrial spacecraft comes down from the cosmos and crash lands on an uninhabited island in the South Pacific. Gone are the anime features and more realistic features of the characters with artwork done by Marco Torini. Tur- uh, other, another major change from the cartoon is the melodramatic dialogue between the characters. It is more current with our militaristic culture and much of, a, much of the filler from the cartoon series is removed. However, the only character that manages to stay annoying through the, all various incarnations is Lin Minmay. It is understood that she is a self-involved teenager, but it is normally done to extremes and this version is no different. Uh, the artwork of the first issue is great. It's something you can see up, uh, out of the top two. It's something that you would see out of the top two companies. The anime aspect of the stories are go- of the story are gone and reinvented with a more gritty tone. Dialogue of the characters are more realistic and very American. The script wastes no time diving right into the story and cutting out much of the fat from the source material. Some of the relationships, primarily between Rick and Roy and Rick, have completely changed from the original source material, but leads one to believe there is more, there is something more going on. The progress of the story and artwork engaged me enough to wish to read this next issue. It is a fast read, but take a bit more time to enjoy the artwork of the book. And if you want to pick up an uh, extra book on Wednesday, pick up Robotech number one and let me know what you think about it. It sounds interesting. I never watched the show. I think I think I was a little too young. Yeah, yeah. It came out. When in the, it, came out. it came out in the mid eighties. Like I remember. Yeah. Like um, I remember coming home and watching that. And I actually, it's on Netflix now. The whole series, all three mm-hmm. incarnations, is on Netflix. I actually, before it became out on Netflix, I actually bought a. Um, it was like thirty bucks, and you have all of them on um, DVD. So I have I have that um, set up at home. But yeah, I, actually, before the comic came out. Um, I started watching it again, so I was, I was watching it, and it was it was interesting. I you know each episode is like twenty two minutes, so it's a quick burn for a lot of those, but um, really cool story, very melodramatic, you know, eighties kind of stuff, you know, anime kind of stuff. So, you know, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I always enjoyed it, so I was curious to see how it looks, but I like the fact that they did cut out a lot of the extra fat um, from the cartoon, um, but still pretty cool. And what was it just like silly corny shit yeah it was just like you know uh filler you know it right. was like little situational stuff that really didn't drive the story anywhere and it really didn't create the characters it just kind of filled it up to to make the first episode fill out and then you know the attack happens and then that's the next episode you get the the beginning of the attack and stuff like that so this one here kind of almost kind of in the 32 pages it really kind of probably took like the first two episodes of the series and um, put them into a one issue of the book so hmm. but i dug it so if you guys want to check it out go to the when you get to the um, get to the store check out for robotech one and i and i'm hoping to do because we do get preview issues and i'm gonna try to do more comic reviews and stuff like that and more reviews onto the site right on and speaking of which this article that i'm about to read is was also written <laughs> by steven Vargas. Um, All available at thelazygeeks.com. That's right. Uh, It is hard to believe that Tank Girl is 30 years old. Yes, it is. It looks (laughs) great for age. I know. I felt really old when I read that. I was like, holy shit. I still remember the movie with um, 
oh what's her name god that fucking movie was great <laughs> i was like going, oh my god has it been that long <laughs> i the, that my favorite scene is when Lori um, petty that's who it was Lori. yes petty. yes when the dude uh that captured her is saying she offers to suck him off <laughs> and then bites that shit yeah. oh that was so great that movie was so risque for its time oh yeah like i think that's why it's kind of a cult classic it didn't blow up but whatever um now now that makes you all feel old yes it does titan comics is releasing a four issue standalone adventure uh coming out in august here is the official description as we prepare to celebrate 30 rigorous years of tank girl in 2018 titan comics are proud to announce that tank girl and her ragtag bunch are back in the wonderful world of tank girl the first of four brand new epic standalone adventures the first adventure, entitled Tank Girl Strikes Back, is written by Alan Martin, Tank Girl co-creator, uh, with, art, uh, with art by Brett Parson, who did the Tank Girl trilogy, and serves as the perfect introduction to this madcap world. The Wonder Woman... Wonder Woman, Jesus <laughs> Christ. What are we doing here? I got Wonder Woman on a brain, bruh. <laughs> the wonderful world of Tank Girl follows Titan Comics' smash success Tank Girl trilogy. Uh, two Girls, One Tank, Gold, and World War Tank Girl. In Tank Girl Strikes Again, our anti-heroes try to pull off their biggest caper ever, but thanks to Boga's gormless plotting, they barely escape their lives. This is Tank Girl on true, classic, chaotic, idiotic form. And if you go to lazygeese.com, definitely follow the um, link in the show notes. You can see some screenshots of uh, some covers and some some artwork dude when we get to and 1985 he, on the cheap seats we're doing tank girl oh fuck yeah we are i didn't that realize naomi watts was in that movie i didn't realize that movie was so old <laughs> yeah i know right to be honest <laughs> um so yeah this is pretty cool tank girl's fun it's always a fun book to read yeah. um and the artwork looks real clean too yeah i like the, the uh, way the covers look they always do kind of a it's clean yet edgy mm-hmm kind of at work so i like that um, i don't like the ones that just kind of like uh the john romita jr type where it gets like yeah. all kind of sketchy and you know it's just scribbly. it's distracting yeah yeah it's i don't like that a lot of people like it though you know but i but they're wrong i, I like it clean yeah but they're <laughs> incorrect you know at life <laughs> right. in general you know so if their opinion doesn't match mine they need to stop speaking no i'm just kidding <laughs> For more of that, follow uh, just another podcast later this week. America 2017. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Tank Girl. Get it while it's hot, baby. Mm, get it while it's hot. Get it while mm. it's hot. Mm. All right, so moving on into technology news. While the demise of the iPod Nano and Shuffle would be considered the end of an era, but it should be considered as like Adobe's Flash a long time coming. Apple officially announced that they are no longer producing either product, which makes it three years since they ceased production of the iPod Classic, which I'm still bothered about. Quote, today we are simplifying our iPod lineup with two models of the iPod Touch. Now with double the capacity starting at just $199, we we are discontinuing the iPod Shuffle and iPod Nano, the spokesperson said by email to The Verge. Currently... The iPod Touch is available in 32 gig and 128 gig storage with the price of the 128 gig option running you about $299. The previous versions, 16 gig and the 64 options are no longer available. At this point, many people are using their smartphones to store their music, but 
Apple's push for low storage capacities forced many people to stream music. You could possibly still find some iPod Shuffle or a Nanos in stock at local retailers, but they will be available until the inventory runs out. Back in 2014, Apple canceled the 164-gigabyte iPod Classic. They had no option for people with large music libraries, with the largest iPod, be- iPod Touch being a 64-gig. Currently, they have rectified that mistake by offering a 128-gig device, but most people probably found alternatives later on. With Samsung and other mobile uh, manufacturers supporting SD support, uh, using SD support, sorry, many people can load their music libraries onto their phone and have it with them at all times. The Nano and Shuffle have not received much in the way of a redesign since 2012 for Bluetooth support. Their colors, um, they changed their colors from time to time, but that was a sign that that they were coming to an end. However, with mobile devices and expandable storage, as well as streaming music options, there is becoming a lesser need for physical content. Yeah, I don't I don't see a purpose to a nano. And I was talking to someone um or shuffle. I was talking to someone at work and I'm like, why would you need that when you have your phone? It's like, well it's so much smaller. I'm like, yes, but you're still gonna have your phone. Right. Everyone always has their phone. Yeah. You know, so it now you're like, oh well this is smaller, but my phone's still in my back pocket. Yeah. You know, so it, it doesn't, it never made sense to me. Yeah. And one of the issues that I had, because I had the um, the classic and I actually had just bought one uh, before the announcement, um, although it's been, a, it's been several years and I think it's starting to act up um, because it bothered me because of the fact that like, well, shit, I have a lot of physical music, you know, I, and when I'm using the, when I was using the touch that I had at the time. And I think it was only like 16 gig. I had to select what music went on there. And then I got, when I finally got the classic, I was able to just buy it and then load it. And just, I was barely using any of it with the amount yeah. of storage that's on there. But up until recent, um, but because of that, I started to stream more music and podcasts and stuff like that. And then plus it didn't have any Wi-Fi support. So it was like, I don't want to go to my computer and then sync it up and all that shit. But what I started what then and then I realized, like I told you earlier this week, I was like going, I just realized I could put literally my library on there because I have a, you know, a uh, 150 gig storage card on my on my Samsung. It's yeah, like I can simply just move it over there. And I was moving stuff over there. I moved like, God, I, I it took a while. I moved like a ton of shit last night. And because, you know, it takes time. I'm sitting here. I get in because like, it's going to take an hour and a half for this. to like, Okay. I pulled out my book that I'm using for research from writing and I'm just reading it as it's doing that. Every look up every once in a while to say like, do you want to convert this? Yeah, I'll convert that. And just go back to reading. And um, barely took anything. And I haven't even done my whole my whole library yet. But I was like, shit. Like I can have all of that on my phone. Now I just need to figure out what kind of player I want to use because I don't want to use Google Play. That interface is a mess. I've actually never used it. Yeah, that interface is a mess. Like I pulled it up on there. I'm like, ew. This is ill. Yeah, it was like, uh. so I'm. See, I don't have, I don't have any physical. I don't have any CDs. I don't have any. Everything for me is streaming. I we have a Spotify account. So well, yeah, I, I mean, look up every song I want. And that, <laughs> that was one of the things that I mentioned. I go, you're either a, a person like me who collected a lot of music. I don't, I don't think I've, I very seldom ever buy any new music. But like most of the stuff, I when I'm having my phone, it's like I have, I have the podcast I can stream. I stream Pandora or. You know, iHeartRadio or you know right. what, whatever, 
Um, but then I was like, but sometimes I just want to hear my music, you know, some stuff that I like. And I started putting those and I was like, well, I can have that on my phone and then just listen to it when I want to. And then I have more yeah. flexibility for that. But yeah, so I, I don't know. And at that time, they didn't even have an iPod touch in the 120, you know, the 124 uh, gig. You know, back then, the top highest one was, I think, 32. I was like, fuck that. I'm yeah. not going to spend the money for that. So. And any any reason not to use iTunes on the computer is a good. It's good. Oh yeah, because I hate iTunes. iTunes actually, iTunes back in the day, I actually liked it. It was simple. Mm-hmm. You know, you could set up your playlists and stuff like that. Um, but now it's it's a mess. Oh god! Like it's it's basically just like buy this, buy this, buy this, and then you might be able to find your shit. Yeah, I mean, you it's know, just it's, it, the 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 interface is, is like they've tried to make it look cleaner, but it just it's. It's harder to navigate. It crashes my. It crashes my. Right. Um, it crashes like all the time. You double click on it, and it's like waiting for fucking Outlook to open. And 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 this is saying a lot. Outlook opens faster than that. And I know. I it. I'm sure it works great on Macs, <laughs> but the Windows version runs like shit. And the majority of people you're dealing with have Windows. Right. You know. So you really got to tighten that shit up. It's just dumb, dumb. Speaking What's of which, not dumb. speaking of which, actually, before we end on, before we leave Apple, um, I've been watching that HBO series, um, The Defiant Ones, which is mm-hmm. uh, it's a documentary, four part documentary, but it talks about um, Dr. Dre and Johnny Ivy, and how they started in the music business, leading up to them going to like creating beats and then selling it to Apple and Apple Radio and stuff like that. Very cool documentary. Hmm. Very, very cool. A lot of classic music in there. They're talking to, for Johnny Ivey, he, for those of you who don't know, he was a, a big record producer and started in the 70s. His first job as an actual engineer, John Lennon's, on a John Lennon album. Oh, shit. Yeah. Worked with Bruce Springsteen, um, Tom Petty, uh, The Stones. He's worked with, he's worked with a ton of different people. Then started Interscope Records. And then, you know, picked up uh, Death Row and all of that. And then it starts with Dr. Dre from his big up. So, of course, you got those NWA tracks. You got tracks from The Chronic. You have Eminem tracks on there. You've got everything on there. Really, really cool documentary. Uh, I recommend if you guys haven't checked it out, check it out on, on, on HBO. Or if you have HBO Go or HBO Now, it's on there, too. Hmm. Might have to check that yeah. out. Good music on those things. So... Something that's kind of cool. Another Stephen Vargas exclusive <laughs> uh, from the LazyEats.com, of course. There's a thing about companies when they set up a payment service. They usually do not like to share with others. While services like Android Pay will let you use virtually anything under the sun to use for payment, Samsung Pay still has some catching up to do, but they seem to, that seems to be changing. The Verge is reporting that PayPal will be available soon for payment on Samsung Pay. Currently, you can only use bank accounts, credit cards, and gift cards. Uh, There will be an update soon that will allow you to use PayPal on your mobile device. If you are shaking about using your actual card or just like using PayPal as your online bank. With the new partnership with Braintree, a PayPal subsidiary, Samsung Pay will be allowed as payment op- a payment option for those merchants who use Braintree. I don't even know what Braintree is. I didn't know either um, until I got that. R. I was like, what the fuck is Braintree? I was like, oh, 
Okay, it's basically like it's like um uh fuck, it's like that other pay service that that the Square. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um the update will be will will be coming soon first to US customers and will eventually have a global rollout. I actually set up Samsung Pay and I used it once. And I felt like I was in the fucking future. So <laughs> The first time I set it up, I realized that um, I banked with Chase, and Chase wasn't on Samsung Pay. Mm. I was like, God damn it. So I just forgot about it. And then Chase got added to Samsung Pay. So I threw on my debit card, and I was I was at work, and I went, we have a cafeteria at work, and I'm buying, I was buying like an energy drink or something. And um, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to use, and I'm so stupid, I'm, like, I'm going to use my phone. <laughs> with Samsung Pay, and they're like, "Okay, they're like, like you whatever." Pretentious fuck. <laughs> have right. to go announce so it to everybody. <laughs> the cool thing is with Samsung Pay, your your card is always on your main screen. It's at the bottom. You just swipe up, and then you can kind of swipe over to pick whichever card you want to use. And then so I, it's real quick. So I, I tap the card, and then it's I tap the machine, and it worked. <laughs> I I've, thought it was the I've, coolest fucking thing I've ever seen. I've never used it because I think like uh, Best Buy uses it. I think um, McDonald's uses it or has it, but I've never used it because I didn't want to be that asshole. I was like, oh, how does shit work? You know, because like most people, I, I don't really. I just I kind of do some shit on the whim. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. oh, I'll go ahead and try this. And, you know, I have I have set up. Uh, I think I have. I think I have Android Pay. I don't think I have Samsung Pay because I, I use Android Pay because I use because I have that link to like Lyft and stuff like that and, and, mm. and um, things like that. But I've never used Samsung Pay because I know B of A is, was always on there, and um, I had it for Apple Pay. But I never really used like the Apple Pay thing when I had my iPhone to like you know the NFC kind of shit. So, but is is that easy? Yeah, you literally. Uh... It's right there on the main page. You slide up, and usually the card you want to use will be the first one there. Or you just swipe left and right to pick your card, tap it, and then tap the machine. It it takes it takes a shorter amount of time to take a card out of your wallet. Or using that fucking to be chip. Honest. Oh Jesus fucking Christ! Beep, beep. I'm getting your sick out. and tired of beep. take your chip out. I'm getting sick and tired of going into a store and like, oh, we don't have a chip. I'm like, are you like a year behind federal regulation at this point? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, are you going to get your fucking shit together? It's so annoying. Yeah. And then when you have to use the chip, yeah, it fucks up all the time. Then you got that awkward moment there where you're waiting there and it's just like, <sighs> for it to, Yeah, because it takes a little longer. Yeah, and you're sitting there and the person behind the counter are just kind of looking around like, hey, nice day. Yeah, fuck yourself. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I'll bring cash next time. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everyone's going to go back to cash. It's such a pain in the ass. I know that. <laughs> You, the attempt to move forward, everybody goes back to cash because they don't want to deal with the fucking chip. The funny thing is, is at work, um, I actually, uh, I usually have cash for the cafeteria because what I'll do is I'll get paid and then I'll take cash out and put it in my wallet. And that's what I use because I use it in vending machines too. Mm. And I don't really like using my card in vending machines yeah. because they always fuck with me. Like <laughs> the, the Pepsi machines are, I don't really use them anymore, but the Pepsi machines are fine. They'll charge me what the drink is. But for some reason, if I use a Coke machine, every once in a while it will it will be like a dollar sixty for the drink. It will charge me six bucks. Jesus! And then it will give it back to me three days later. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, I don't like that shit. That shit weirds me out. Yeah. So I have cash, but I go up to the cafeteria and, and they're like, oh, that would be like six whatever if I'm buying lunch. 
and I'll give them a 20 and they look at me like I'm an asshole because <laughs> now they have to do something. Now they have to do math. <laughs> right. They have to do, They have to look at the screen and then count the change out. It's like, <laughs> the oh, cash, I'm sorry. The cashiers are like, nobody said I'd have to do math at this job. <laughs> yeah, because they they're spoiled now because you hand them the card and they just swipe it and go, thanks. Yeah. They don't even have to. It just closes it out. You know, so it's like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm going to bring in a hundred next time right. for a five buck ticket. There you go. Bring in a two dollar bill. Totally fuck them up. <laughs> I did the other day. <laughs> nice. And she looked at it funny because it was a young, it was a young chick. And she was like, um, <laughs> like, yeah, it's real bitch. That's when you, like, you look at her and go, ask your grandfather about that. <laughs> you know, it's funny. The two dollar bill is the most gorgeous legal tender this country has it ever is. created it is isn't it's it? so nice yeah. and the back doesn't have that weird illuminati fucking pyramid shit yeah that's what it has just the and then why do you think it was taken out right dun 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 i mean conspiracy episode right there there's a conspiracy for you work on it, it internet <laughs> two dollar bill has my man jefferson on it and then on the back is just a mural of the founding fathers <laughs> i'm like this is so fucking sexy like why why is this and then I thought they don't print them anymore, but um, the one I got was like brand new. Yeah, I don't know. I've seen some of those where they've popped them. Like this looks new. Like somebody got a little excited with their new laser jet printer. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I would start uh, if we were bootlegging money. I would I would do two dollar bills. Ain't no one gonna fucking question you with a two dollar bill. Right. Like yeah, here. Oh okay. <laughs> All right. On that note, it's time we jump into our discussion. So we've had on both ends, you know, uh, Adam's had some people ask and I've had some people ask. And this is our basic way of saying fuck you to all those people. Um, yeah. Marvel versus DC. Who gives a fuck? Um, as most of you longtime listeners will know, I am definitely more of a Marvel fan, but I've been liking DC and Adam is definitely more of a DC guy. Yep. And people have always tried to like, have us do a DC versus Marvel or Marvel versus DC, however you want to put it. It's DC versus Marvel. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, if we're doing alphabetical. <laughs> I was waiting yeah. for that. That's what that was what I was thinking you were gonna go with there. Um and uh and they wanted us to like, well, you guys discuss which one's better. It's like, no. <laughs> we don't have to. Because in a world of where people have to win, where it's Apple versus Google or, you know, uh, uh, Google, by the way, what Google, by the way, I'm giving the answers to your question. Oh, oh is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were saying it because I mispronounced it or something like that. Oh, <laughs> Google. <laughs> it's actually Google. <laughs> like, oh, fuck you. It's Google. <laughs> it's all sit the fuck down. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> or tablets versus PCs or whatever, because there's always like somebody has to win. And the big problem that 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 Adam and I both have is no, nobody has to solely win unless you're playing sports. Does somebody have to win? Because that tie bullshit where everybody wins, fuck you, no. I'm not. You're not. I'm not sitting in in the sun for three hours to watch everybody. You know, everybody get an award because you know. Somehow in life, there's no winners because we all win. No. If you're playing sports, there is a winner. And and most people that play sports are a type A personality. So right. that, that's how that works. But 
when we're talking about entertainment, it, it's it's that thing like Star Trek or Star Wars. It's like, no, no, that all exists. It all exists for us to consume and for us to enjoy. And I don't believe that people can have one specific, they're like, I love Marvel, DC sucks. No, you know what? It doesn't. And the same thing goes the other way. It's like, no, everybody has their their attributes and everybody's all like, oh, Marvel movies are, are so much better than DC movies. It's like, yeah, once Marvel took over, <laughs> because if we go back even further, a lot of Marvel movies sucked. Yeah, and unfortunately, DC has currently has the same issue Marvel used to have because DC is owned by Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers which is a which is a movie making company. So they have their hands a little bit more in the pot when it comes to how the movies are made. Now, we could also make the argument, well, Marvel's owned by um, Disney. Yes, but Disney doesn't bother Marvel. Yeah. They go, please make the movies as you make them because we like to make money. Right. You know, they, they, You've done well to this point. It. You've done well to this point. We'll let you continue doing that. Except now they have Disney money. Exactly. So, so they can basically do whatever the fuck right. they want. Now, on, but when you're comparing just storytelling talent, DC and Marvel are matched. They've always been matched. Yeah. I mean, they, they both have strengths and weaknesses in different areas, but a lot of that is subjective and just opinion. Right. You know, so whatever. Yeah. But one thing I found interesting, so there is, you could argue there's a bit of a rivalry, but not between Marvel and DC, between the companies that own them. So <laughs> Marvel is owned by the Walt Disney Company. We all know that. Right. Um, and DC is owned by Warner Brothers, but Warner Brothers is a part of Time Warner. Time Warner is the major competitor of the Walt Disney Company. <laughs> so there is a bit of a bump, but it's like the, it's like the bosses don't like each right. other, and and then the people below are just like, whatever, dude, what's going on? Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> you know? it's like it's like if you've ever worked retail and like you know, there's a store across the way from you that that does a similar bit, but you're cool with those people over there. Like, you know, right. you're open, you're like, hey, dude, your light's out. Oh, OK, thanks, man. You know, and then they go and get it or they're the ones that call you. Yo, dude, your store isn't open yet. Like, oh, shit, really? OK, thanks. You know, you, you help each other out on a ground level. But like your CEO and their CEO hates each other. So they're just like bicking and you're just kind of like, calm the fuck down. You know, they're cool. You know, it's like we have no problem with these guys. Well, then you also, too. And this is a major thing for me. And and let's be completely clear. Steve and I are not fanboys of anything, because fanboyism is a disease, and you need to seek help. Yeah. Being a fanboy, there is, is a cure, and it's 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 basically um, common fucking sense. abstracting your head out of your own ass. Right. Being being now the term fanboy gets thrown around a lot in positive ways too, but a, a true fanboy of something is someone who is so viciously a fan of something that that thing is perfect. And every other thing is shit that that is related to that genre. So that fanboyism is dumb. See, the thing is, is that I don't think there's a fanboy within DC because even DC fans hate a lot of the shit that DC does. Yeah, for whatever reason, (laughs) DC fans tend to be hypercritical. Like they're diehard DC fans, but they're hypercritical of what's going on. I'll do that too. I'll read a DC book and be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like you're... (laughs) <laughs> and I, I'm not saying DC's the only comic company that has shitty books every once in a while, but you know, or there's like a an event going on, and and it's you do notice there are the fanboyism is slightly higher on the Marvel side because 
I've noticed anyway, that Marvel will come up with something that isn't that great in, in the comics. And, and a lot of, there's more Marvel fans that go, well, I mean, and they'll kind of explain it away. When DC, there's very there's a very small minority of people that will go, it's okay. Most DC fans are like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you, you guys need to step it up. What, you know? it, it's inter- well, it's funny that you say that because I actually see an opposite, but I'm talking mm. only on the Marvel side. The DC side, I see. You know, the, the most critical fans of DC are their DC fans. <laughs> I think the most forgiving are Marvel fans. Because, yeah, that's what I but, mean. But on the DC side, because here's here's what I here's what I uh, how I explain that. Take Batman v Superman. Take Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad was hated by DC fanboys. They hated yeah. it. You know who enjoyed it more? Marvel fans. Marvel. Marvel yeah. fans were like, actually, it was pretty good. It wasn't as bad as it was because they're used to, like, what DC tried to do in, in Suicide Squad was do what like Marvel has done. They, you know, they take make it fun, make it fun. You know, have you know cool music with it and then just kind of you know, make it a little more entertaining to kind of reach more of the office um the bigger fan uh, bigger base and then marvel fans were like yeah but see the thing is is marvel fans kind of have to be forgiving because D- uh, marvel sold off a lot of those rights to to their movies and we got a lot of shit right in the past so we know what shit daredevil the fantastic four some x-men three you know <laughs> but and but and then in turn back then marvel fans were the same as dc fans are now with their movies yeah. daredevil came out and marvel fans viciously oh, yeah. attacked it and rightfully so right. <laughs> you know like but i do i do see that and i completely agree with you dc fans for the most part or just a larger group um will be hypercritical when it has to do with breaking canon yeah and if i've noticed that um and I, I've I've known, um, I've I've been kind of uh, close to the comic book industry for a long time. Uh, my uncle's in it, and so I'm not I'm not fucking low key bragging. Oh, I'm, I'm just I'm, saying. I'm sorry. You know? Let me pick up that name you just dropped. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I I have seen this argument many times between Marvel, DC, or even individual books, and I have noticed a trend where DC fans tend to, on the positive side. They know more obscure details about things. Right. But then in turn with that, on the negative side, if any of those details are not represented in the new medium, <laughs> they freak out. Yeah. Like, well, that that didn't happen. Issue 18 mm-hmm. in 1983. It's like, stop it. It calmed it down. Is fun. It is funny about some of that that fanboys. And this, 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 this discussion isn't about fanboyism but like one of the things that's funny about it is that they like dc fans will sit there and go like well yeah well when you're marvel you retcon shit and, and you do that it's like but with superman there's this it's like yeah but which version of superman are we discussing here right because there's don't act like dc comics hasn't <laughs> fucking changed shit are we talking every day yeah, exactly are we talking about you know silver age gold age are we talking pre-crisis post-crisis bronze, bronze modern <laughs> you know um, pre-52 new 52 Blackest day, darkest night. Like, what are we talking exactly. about right now? Exactly. Or Re- are we even talking about Rebirth? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like <laughs> DC. DC did. It's a little bit. It's not anymore. They they've really done a great job in cleaning up the universe. But I would say the '90s was so fucking confusing. Oh yeah. 
there was so much going on. Same thing on. with Marvel like, too. Like oh it yeah, was, it, with they, both of them because they were they were basically they fed into that whole um uh what was it the comic bubble. Yeah. You know, people weren't buying it for the content. They were just buying because they were hoping those comics would make money. And then when you have third, fourth, fifth variant, then they realize, oh shit, these aren't worth any money. And that's one of the main points. One of the main points I wanted to hit in this discussion is that if you look at every major negative and every major positive that that Marvel has done, DC has done them too, just at different times and vice versa. It's the same exact industry. They worked, I mean, the uh, the headquarters of DC is now in Burbank, California, but that's very recent. They, they used to be right down the street from each other in New York. Yeah. And and the, the, the creators from both teams would talk with each other, joke with each other. There's a lot of crossovers. I remember um, DC versus Marvel. Yeah. But flat out. Um, and I actually have a reprinting of that first issue. Uh-huh. And it, it was just... For no apparent reason, <laughs> right. the the universe crossed, right. and and they were there was just fights going on between the different characters, and uh, it was Elektra versus Catwoman, Robin versus Jubilee, Thor versus Captain Marvel, Superman versus Hulk, you know, evenly teamed up as much as possible, and it was really fun, but made no sense. <laughs> um, but moving aside from that, every every triumph and every failure has happened to both of them. Just at different times. And the problem is because if they're at different times, fanboys of the opposite side will go, God, this fuck, they're fucking up. Yeah. Look at this. This is trash. It's like, yeah, but you forgot like 10 years ago when your fucking team was doing the same thing. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it's it's comics is such a, a broad market. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like things things happen that don't always work out. But um, I did want to – I kind of focused more – so the way – we did some research, you know, just kind of mainly just refreshing our mind. And research we've been Googled. <laughs> right. Like any modern research. Right. Yeah. Um, and I focused more on DC and and, um, and Steve definitely focused more on Marvel because those are our strengths. We, he grew up reading Marvel. I grew up reading DC. So why cross the streams now? It's just going to confuse them. Yeah. Um, but I did want to hit a couple of points. So DC was first. It, between the two, does it make them better? They were just first um, under. They were founded under the name National Allied Publications um, in 1934 uh, by Malcolm Wheeler and Nicholson. So the the company debuted with the tablet size or ta- tablet with the fuck in 1934 <laughs> tabloid Wonder Woman. You know, like what's going that's, on? That's I'm fucking up. Tabloid sized new fund the big comic magazine number one with a cover date of February 19. 19- uh, 35. The company's second title, New Comics Number One, which came out in December 1935, appeared in a size close to what would become comic book standard of that uh, time period, um, which is the Golden Age, by the way. The Golden Age is the first age of comics. Um, so the, ti- the title evolved into Adventure Comics, uh, which actually continued until 1983 and ended in um, issue five, 503. Still holds the title of the longest running comic book series. Uh, that, that series went on forever. It was one of those where it's kind of a lot of one shots, you know, right. and stuff like that. Um, 2009, DC revived uh, Adventure Comics with its original numbering because DC uh, usually does that. They tried not to recently, but they changed the numbering scheme of uh, 
what was it action comics yeah. and detective Com- and everyone got pissed yeah, and, they were and, like this doesn't make any fucking sense and then they reverted back to their old numbering system right and um in 1935 jerry siegel and joe schuster uh the future creators of superman created dr occult who is the earliest uh dc comic character to still be in a zdc universe <laughs> so do you have do you have a, a quick origin story for for marvel yeah for marvel marvel started in 1939 as timely publications and then by the early 50s had generally become known as atlas comics and marvel the marvel branding began in 1961 the year that the company launched the fantastic four and other superheroes created by stanley jack kirby steve ditko and others in the 1930s uh timely comics was founded by martin goodman uh the company later known as marvel under the name timely publications in 39 uh martin uh, Goodman, a pulp magazine publisher who had started with Western Pulp in 1933, was expanding into the emerging and then by then already highly popular new medium of comic books. Timely's first publication, Marvel Comics Number no. 1, dated October 1939, included the first appearance of Carl Burgos' anti-android superhero, The Human Torch, and the first um, appearances of Bill Everett's anti-hero, Namor the Submariner, among others. Um, then uh, now Marvel Marvel really found their stride in the Silver Age technically yeah yeah wow. and with this and then of course in the 50s they moved when they became Atlas Comics the post um, uh, the post-war American comic market saw falling um, superheroes falling out of fashion Goodman's comics line dropped them for the most part and expanded into a wider variety of genres than even Timely had published featuring horror western humor funny animals uh, man's adventure dramas, uh, even Bible stories. Uh, Goodman began using the uh, Globe logo as Atlas News Company and the um, newsstand distribution company he owned. Uh, in the comics, uh, let's see, and then uh, Atlas, uh, rather than innovate, took the rule uh, proven route of following popular trends in TV and movies, westerns and war dramas prevailing at the time, driving movie monsters. Um, another time and then other comic books particularly the EC horror line Uh, Atlas also published a plethora of children and teen humor titles including uh, Homer the happy ghost a parody of Casper the friendly ghost uh, Homer Hooper a la Archie Andrews and Atlas unsuccessfully attempted to revive superheroes from the uh, from late 1953 to mid 1954 with the human torch the submariner and Captain America Atlas did not achieve any breakout hits, and according to Stan Lee, Atlas survived chiefly because it produced work quickly, cheaply, and at a pass at passable quality. <laughs> now, keep in mind, you know, uh, um, uh, like why they did also did uh, Submariner and um, the Human Torch during Timely Comics publication. That's when Captain America came out, and Captain America was actually designed prior to. Uh, uh, America getting involved in the Second World War. It was designed as a reason why we needed to get into World War. I mean, the first cover was Captain America punching out Hitler. Yeah, know? and and then selling war bonds, selling war bonds That's, and shit. In the movie where you see him selling war bonds, that that is a callback to his his um his origins in the, in that respect. Yeah, his and it, a his lot imagery. of people don't really get that. Yeah, yeah, and it was and a lot of times and a lot of times too that you know you They didn't actually sell war bonds from the comic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they just they just used that to connect. Exactly. And one of the things that 
uh, and it was also like Captain America was widely popular among the soldiers. A lot of soldiers were reading that out there in the field, you know, because it's, it's yeah. well, in essence, it's propaganda, you know. So Hero fighting the good fight. They're fighting the good know? fight, yeah. And then uh, the first modern uh, comic book under the Marvel Comics brand was the science fiction anthology Journey into Mystery number 69 and the teen humor title Patsy Walker. You might remember most of you might remember them. They're still around, uh, which each display the MC box in the corner. And then in the wake of DC Comics success in reviving superheroes from the late 50s and early 60s, particularly the Flash, Green Lantern and other members of the Justice League of America, Marvel followed suit. Uh, Stanley revolutionized in 61. He revolutionized comic book heroes by creating the Fantastic Four. Uh, number one, broke convention with other comic archetypes. Um, of the time by squabbling, holding grudges both deep and petty, and eschewing anonymity or secret identities in favor of celebrity status. That was one of the things that really kind of changed the way superheroes were because at that point, DC, they were a lot of cookie cutter at the time. You know? Yeah, they were. And, and, uh, and that was one. The Silver Age, I, I feel the Silver Age was. Um, overall a softer time for dc there, there wasn't much innovation going on uh there was some but it wasn't not not to the level marvel was putting one out. of the things that i i saw I, I saw this um uh this documentary about comic books and really great documentary too uh, and they were talking to some dc and they said that pretty much after the war you know there superheroes fell out of out of out of place you know because there was no more of the good fight and it's like, okay, Superman taking on bank robbers and shit like that. And eventually, like, Superman became the status quo. You know, the, the right. uh, you know, uh, he wild was man. The archetype. The archetype for that. And then, you know, the, then, of course, you got into that whole, <laughs> that whole, um, what was it? The, uh, oh God, what was the comic book code? The Comic Book Code Authority. Oh, Jesus Christ. And for those of you that don't know about that, and if you're a comic book fan, you you, you most likely know about it. Um, based off the quote-unquote uh, psychological study of a guy who basically went around and interviewed people in prison and juvenile delinquents and say, like, you know, so what do you read? I don't know. Comics and other stuff. Oh, comics. And basically by that, uh, deep ergo comics are the reason for um, juvenile delinquents yeah which is the equivalent to saying hey do you drink water yeah yeah, yeah. oh look all these murderers drink water yeah. How do, um, yeah. what, do you, what do you breathe air okay I see air is the culprit of this you know right and uh, and be and then started saying that comic books should be banned in which case everybody um, started doing the comic book code their way to kind of police themselves saying okay you cannot just talk bad about law enforcement you cannot talk bad about the government you can't talk bad about you know basically freedom of speech was being infringed right and they were hiding behind the vice the vice of this is for children right so we need to clean it up and this and that it, and, it was a really ugly time for comics oh yeah and and also when you had uh major heroes if they had sidekicks they couldn't be of the same gender because then there's possible homosexual overtones that was all that was all turned into uh batman and robin yeah uh was the main focus point of that and captain america and bucky of, yes that is true a lot of people were saying that um because comic books by nature especially in the golden golden age and part of the silver age were very happy-go-lucky yeah. uh, especially in the writing style 
Um, and it, it would lead to, oh, he's a little too friendly with that child right. or something like that. But we have to understand that th- this medium was for children, especially the superhero comics, um, was very geared towards children. So they're, they're doing it in a way like the hero. Children don't think that way. Right. You know, they, they're not thinking like, oh, Captain America wants to bang Bucky. You know, <laughs> right. they, they're thinking like, oh, he may, the hero. but it's not, you know. <laughs> right. They're thinking more of like, oh, I... I relate to Bucky and the hero that that I look up to, you know, also respects Bucky and, and stuff like that. It's more along those lines. But, of course, there's always people that like to twist things around. Right. Um, I did actually want to explain a little bit of history. And it's something that people like to knock DC for. Um, but no one ever knows <laughs> what they're talking about. <laughs> so DC and Marvel at one time had they both had a Captain Marvel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and now Marvel, for people who are ignorant to the history of it, they they always go, well, Mar- it's Captain Marvel, so Marvel's the one. It's the, Yeah, whatever. Um, but here's a little excerpt that, that I found interesting. I already knew this, but it laid out pretty well. The company began to move aggressively, the company being DC, uh, began to move aggressively against what is, what is saw as copyright violating lim- um, imitations from other companies, such as Fox Comics' Wonder Man which, according to court testimony, Fox started as a copy of Superman. Um, this extended to DC suing Fawcett Comics over Captain Marvel. Uh, all the time, comics top-selling... All the time, comics top-selling characters, sorry. Um, despite the fact that parallels between Captain Marvel and Superman seemed more tenuous, Captain Marvel's powers come from magic, unlike Superman's, um, the courts ruled that substantial and deliberate copying of copyrighted materials had occurred. Faced with declining sales and the prospect of bankruptcy if, if it lost, Fawcett, uh, Fawcett capulated, cap, cap, it, they closed Capitulated? in 19, there you go, thank you, <laughs> in 1953 and ceased comic publications. Years later, Fawcett sold the rights to Captain Marvel to DC, which is kind of funny, <laughs> um, which in 1972 re- revived Captain Marvel in the new title, Shazam, yeah. featuring um, artwork by his creator, C.C. Bet. Shazam! In the, mean t- <laughs> Shazam! <laughs> in the meantime, the abandoned trademark had been seized by Marvel Comics in 1967. Um, so in, in this whole time of all this happening, Mar- when, when Fawcett's copyright of that name fell, out of, fell off of him, Marvel's like, well, we might as well grab this one because right. it has our name in there. Right. Um, DC either didn't realize this or just didn't give a shit. Um, Probably didn't with give the, a shit at the time. Right. With the creation of their Captain Marvel, who is the um, fe- is a female um, female hero that actually has a movie coming up, uh, disallowing the, the very, DC. Very, very lovely. Oh. Brie Larson. Don't don't get me started, please. I turn into another um, podcast. <laughs> disallowing the DC comic DC comic itself to be called that while Captain Marvel did not re- recapture its, its his old popularity he later appeared in a Saturday morning live action TV adaptation and gained a prominent place so in the bad, mainstream continuity yeah, I know <laughs> the mainstream continuity DC called the DC universe so the um that that's just awesome because a lot of people don't know that history and it really has to do with legality yeah. and just timing um, and and DC just changed the fucking name, and and he still referred to Captain Marvel in a few books. I feel some writers, and it slips past editing, like they'll say it. Um, in some, I saw it more in the '80s, mm-hmm. but not so much anymore. But um, 
also too just to just to show the similarity between the two companies uh when the popularity of superheroes faded in the late 1940s the company focused on such genres as science fiction westerns human humor and romance uh dc also published crime and horror titles but relatively tame ones and thus avoided the mid-1950s backlash against such comics a handful of the most popular superhero titles including action comics and detective comics the medium's two longest-running titles continued publication. So, when the, when a lot of that um, the hit up for, and this was before the uh, comic book code, but there was a, a small backlash against specifically crime and horror yeah. because they were like, "Well, this is for children. Why are you? Why are we doing this and that?" And a lot of companies got hit pretty hard, but DC did avoid it because their crime and horror books at that time were very tame. I mean, the the horror books like. Were, were like monster of the week it wasn't very it wasn't very dark or gritty uh much like their crime was bank robbers and silly stuff like that um but a lot of other a lot of other companies suffered um from a hit up and honestly that the comic book codes was kind of bullshit but the yeah. the the hard, the one before that in the mid 1950s did make a lot of sense because the only people at the time were reading it were children and they were putting out these a lot of companies were putting out these grotesque books for the time and um, they, they were like, okay, let, <laughs> you guys need to calm down with these books. <laughs> yeah. All right, um, your turn. One, one of the things I wanted to kind of uh, talk about is I've always heard this primarily from DC events. And even you at one point had said that Marvel characters are very bland. You know, they're, they're, there was always right. that sense that, you know, they're they're very kind of, you know, not that they're like in danger or anything like that. And that you know dc characters are very dark and deep keep in mind that when marvel first created a lot of these marvel broke the mold by showing flawed superheroes freaks and misfits unlike perfect handsome athletic heroes from previous traditional comic books some marvel heroes looked like villains and monsters such as the hulk and the thing this naturalistic approach even extended into topical politics now dc doesn't use any real cities you know you have and and there's the they oh, well, exist in the DC universe, but they right. usually for a major a major um, hero, he'll have a city that doesn't really exist, like right. Metropolis, Metropolis or Gotham or and, and Gotham, and all right? Of that. But um, you know, and in the Marvel universe, most of the heroes are based out of New York, <laughs> you know, right? Um, and uh, uh, this I wanted to read was the note from uh, comic historian Mike Benton in a world of uh, in a world of rival DC comics, Superman comic books, communism did not exist. Superman rarely crossed national borders and involved himself in political disputes. From 1962 to 65, there were more communists in Marvel comics than it on the subscription list of Brava, Bravada, <laughs> uh, or Bravda. That's it. Com- uh, communist agents attacked Ant Man in his laboratory. Red henchmen jumped the Fantastic Four on the moon. The Viet Cong guerrillas took pot shots at Iron Man. And one of the big things about that is that yeah, nobody touched. Uh, with Iron Man's, primarily with Iron Man, Iron Man actually was the first comic book to actually touch on the Vietnam War. Uh, nobody else really did because it's such a touchy thing, and right. nobody really wanted to touch on it. But when they did Iron Man, that's why in the movie it's Afghanistan. You know, it's it's in the Middle East because that's where we were at war with back then. It was Vietnam, and that's how it worked out. Um, and in the in that time. You know, the status quo of comics was Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman. Um, but in 1965, Spider-Man and Hulk were both featured in Esquire magazine's list of 28 college campus heroes alongside JFK and Bob Dylan. 
Um, and in th at the time, and, and this could actually be in some documentaries you'll see, is that Marvel was kind of considered the counterculture magazine, you know, the comic book. Right. Uh, you know, you that's where you have like originally the original Sergeant Fury. You know, you have um, especially like Stradanko's um, uh, uh, Fury, Agent of Shield. You know, a lot of psychedelics, a lot of um, counterculture. Um, uh, branding so it and then of course you have the dawn in the 60s too you have spider-man teenage kid just trying to have a life you know and doing which i thought was perfectly portrayed in homecoming uh you also had the x-men which de dealt with very very subtly gay rights you know um or even just segregation you know racism at that point because you know you could kind of take the x-men for however you want you know then right. you had the advent of black panther and luke cage uh, and all of them so they they were really the kind of the the darker the more kind of like the, the more edgy type of comics at the time when they when they started coming out and then well and, oh, go ahead no and, and i do want to i do want to address that point um first first and foremost just, just as much as dc should be respected as for creating um batman and superman as 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 they very much um get a lot of praise for especially superman creating an archetype of strongman uh character uh marvel deserves a mountain ton of of respect for revolutionizing the industry in the way that you just laid out um they really found the pulse of current culture and started to write to that effect dc wasn't doing that at that time uh, DC was more like you said; they were in their own completely separate universe. It it, it didn't relate uh, to what was currently going on, and, and it's definitely something that that I feel that really put Marvel in the position that they're in now. Because people were like, "Oh shit, this is talking about what happened," you know, and this and that, you know. And they did it in subtle ways a lot of the times. Right. When people who were reading it knew one comic, and I know I mentioned this character a lot, mm -hmm. and I'm not talking about the movie, but Howard the Duck. If you read the comics, yeah. very much social commentary. Oh, yeah. um, if you've if you've only read, if you've only watched the movie, you've done yourself a disservice. Serious disservice. Um, read the comics. I have the om omnibus on my shelf. Come over, I'll fucking let you see it. It's the there's so there's so much commentary. I mean, he meets God at one point and just has a giant conversation about why things are the way they are. You know, and it's it's very much books like that. That Marvel did um, were were so important to the industry as a whole. Um, now, I do I I remember saying that Marvel characters were bland. Um, first and foremost, bland was a strong word, and and I I, I do apologize for that because bland is not right. There, Marvel characters are not Marvel characters are not I bland. Cried for like two days after that. <laughs> and also, I'm talking about current. I'm not talking about the 70s or the 60s. Um, I feel. It's hard to explain. And this is completely my pers perspective and opinion. Um, kind of like DC has more speeches and Marvel has more one-liners. Um, and both... Let me go into explaining that a little bit. Both of these have pros and cons. And they're not really saying, oh, this company's doing dumb shit. But Marvel keeps it lighter for the most part. And, and not in a bad way. It's easier to read. The flow is better. Uh, take Spider-Man, for instance, always throwing out one-liners and zingers and stuff like that. And there's a few characters on DC that do do that as well. Um, but for the most part, DC has a tone about it that's a little different than Marvel. A darker, kind of more shit's really hitting the fan tone. Right. Um, the same. The, the thing that I that I have, yeah, I, I 
Marvel is easier to digest because the thing is, is everything there are a, everything is grave, but as in life, you know, you always make there's always something right. to, to to lighten it. And what I feel kind of sometimes I get in DC is there is no hope. Yeah, like emo yeah. in in a sense of like shit's bad. It's not going to get any better. And and at that there's some point where it's like okay, dude, lighten up a little bit, you know. It's like, and 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 I feel a lot of writers on DC get lost in that because you can have a dark story um, without without problems. The problem is is that the line is very faint that you can cross into getting into just being ridiculously fucking down one of the, about everything yeah like one of the one of the things that i uh, that you know when people say that it's like I, I would say like you know what pick a marvel knights version of the punisher oh yeah definitely. you know you can see grit you can see dark and you can actually have a couple of one-liners in there and you know it, and marvel's had a few um a few uh special events like civil war mm-hmm. i mean that, oh, that got war, real yeah. fucking dark man it, and and, and and like I said, I'm I'm giving respect where respect is due, of course. Right. But in my reading uh, of and in current comics, I do feel there's more of a um, I don't want to use the term happy go lucky. Sounds like I'm being stupid, but a, a happier tone. There's Mar- for the most part, if there's not a special event going on, it's just a normal run. Marvel is is a little bit more upbeat than DC tends to be. Is that better or worse? It depends on who's reading. As a, I actually enjoy DC's, and yes, it does go too far sometimes. But I enjoy DC's tendency to be like it. It really gets down to the wire. You, there's sometimes you'll read a DC book and go, "Are they gonna make it?" <laughs> like you, you, you're you're just like they're really fucked. I, I, you know, in a lot of instances, I, I there's never in my in my view there's ne- there's never opinion in both Marvel and DC that somebody's going to die. Uh, because you know, right? You know it in your yeah. head, but, the th- but when but you the fall thing is, into the story, like, you know. as of as of current slate, I've been a bigger fan of Rebirth at this point, simply because, yeah, they're kind of they're they're kind. Of, I, I'm liking it because of the fact that they're finally bringing the past back. They, I, I fell right. off the New Fifty Two because I was just like, okay, you know, we're kind of reaching here, and now bringing back everything, bringing back, you know, <laughs> retconning the retcon. Um, seems to be working for them marvel i think is very lost in this whole okay we need to get rid of all the old um all the old stalwarts and replace them with new younger people because that's who's reading and it's like no because you know what dc has been doing bruce wayne for 75 years the jokers is 75 years batman uh superman all of them they they've they've never changed it if they've changed it it's because of alternate universes you know they're multiverse um, yeah. I, I believe it's just it's just lazy storytelling, and and a lot of instances you can create new characters, but just nobody wants to, uh, because nobody wants to. T- the comics don't want to take the risk. It's like, well, what if we do this issue and it fails? You know, we're, we're putting money behind it. But one thing I did want to touch on is um, so at current slate, I'm saying DC's better at the telling the stories that they're doing, like Wonder Woman, um, the action comics, Superman line, very awesome. Uh, love loving the flash you know so there, there's a lot of good stuff out there right now but what i wanted to touch was it's in my opinion the 80s was the strongest of both marvel and dc no doubt because you had fucking watchmen you had batman the dark right. knight returns crisis of infinite earths you had fucking secret wars 
uh, Marvel Super Secret Wars, which is the pinnacle, which is what every Marvel fan would love to fucking see as a movie. You know, yeah. but of course we you can't because Fox owns half the rights and Sony owns the, the uh, owns part. I guess would say of half, three quarters of that half, <laughs> and then Sony owns that other last quarter. Um, they would love to see that in there, which was great because it was a Beyonder character bringing all the superheroes, all the villains together, and then just fighting each other. Which is where Spider Man got the black costume. Which is when She Hulk became part of the Fantastic Four. You know. Uh, Hulk, that's where Hulk kind of came, um, became, uh, was stayed out there. Thor, um, uh, things stayed out in the universe. So it was really, really awesome time in those. And then, you know, uh, just Crisis of Infinite Earths. I, I love that series. The first one. <laughs> well, yeah, D, I mean, I, I, the 80s, and it's reflecting, it's reflecting the, the culture too, right. isn't it? Like the, the 80s changed. Marvel and DC in a lot of in a lot of uh, positive ways. Uh, Batman alone for DC. I mean, the Batman you you know today it happened in the eighties. Yeah. Um, you, if you listen it, to Kevin Smith when he says when it, it's when Batman got his balls back, it was when he ceased to right. be that that archetype that had been the status quo. It took Batman back to that the reason why we have uh, why we got the eighty nine Batman. You know, and a lot of a lot of his uh, more notable villains as well. Yeah. Um, the Joker. I mean, definitely the Joker you know today yeah. is be it happened in the eighties. It, it's it's um. Yeah. I mean, in the seventies, the Joker was just running around with fucking gags and right. just robbing banks. And also, like he wasn't. And also in the the Marvel side, Chris Claremont and John Byrne's run of Uncanny X Men. Yes, X Men. X Men. They got. X-Men went big in the fucking yeah. 80s. They, they were doing some crazy shit. Another personal favorite of mine, Frank Miller's run on Daredevil. Mm. Uh, that, that shit is just... Frank Miller's Daredevil has to be one of the, the greatest comics I've, I've read. Yeah. Has to be. His... It, it's so amazingly written. And the artwork is incredible. Yeah, so it's... It, you know, there's there's a lot on both sides. Uh, Watchmen coming out in the fucking in yeah. the mid 80s which was basically just the the alternate universe of what we have now and it's just like and it took superhero it took superheroes to the next level and watchman was such a social fucking oh, commentary God, yeah. it was dripping with it yeah you know but um but yeah so i mean this podcast has run long which i knew was gonna run long anyway when we had this i event. don't give a fuck <laughs> but you know uh, so you know, you can easily sit there and say like, "Oh, DC's better than this." It's like if you're saying that, you're ignorant, because at this particular point, we don't have to have one. See, the problem is, is everybody always has to have. There has to be a winner. No, because if you have yeah. a winner, then there's a loser, and what happens to that loser? They fade away, and then you have one. It's like it, it's the sole reason why a lot of people like Apple fanboys, um, and I use fanboys in the negative sense. Um, Apple fanboys hate Microsoft but what they don't realize is Apple wouldn't be around if it wasn't for Bill Gates because Microsoft said well why should we only have one we only succeed on competition and gave them money so they can they can continue being a company and now people are like fuck fuck Windows Apple all the way it's like well Windows was there because of you're here because of Windows and it goes it goes the opposite way too. I mean, we we bash Apple sometimes. It's fun to bash Apple, but you still have to respect the fact that if it wasn't for Apple, the smartphone industry right. wouldn't be what it is today. Absolutely. 
you know, we have, and, no, and it's, app in, we have no app culture. The competition, healthy competition, is important. It spurs innovation. You know, yeah, you need to have competition. So don't don't try to stifle the other side. Let them do what they got to do. Let the other side do what they got to do. Um, a few things I want to say real quick. First of all, um, the fans of Marvel or DC should not hate each other because Marvel and DC don't hate each other. Um, they respect each other. They've come together a lot in the past. I do feel that they don't come together with crossovers as much now, but that's more of a who owns them decision. Uh, especially with the um, with the movie market coming up and stuff, it, it seems like they're trying to really define what they are individually. Um, but that doesn't mean they hate each other. Mm. Like I, I never understood that. Like oh, Marvel and DC, they, they're they're enemies. No, they're not. Like they they crossed over all the time. They, there's been people that have worked on DC books as well as Marvel books, and it, it's it's so stupid to think like <laughs> it's like when you go to work. Someone who does your same job, do you hate them? Right. Maybe, but not necessarily. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's a little ridiculous. And then where I want to leave it to is um, if you're one of those people. Now, I, I personally don't read a lot of Marvel. I don't, but that's not a choice because I think Marvel sucks. I just don't. I don't read a lot of DC half of the fucking time. I'm always <laughs> behind on my comic. But I read um, more DC I read, than he does sometimes. <laughs> right. I, I stay with what's familiar. That's just my personality. I grew up with DC. I, 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 I enjoy those characters. I have connections with those characters, and I, and I read up on them. But if you're one of those people that says, I read DC only and fuck Marvel, I read Marvel only and fuck DC, you are missing out mm-hmm. on a lot of good shit from both sides. Like, don't 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 cheapen yourself. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the same thing, you know, I, it's, for me, it's the same thing. It's like, the the only... The only ignorant person is someone who does not open up their open up their viewpoint. When someone says America's the greatest nation in the world and but they have never been anywhere outside of this country. That's an ignorant form of view. I only right. love it's when ignorance ignorance becomes stupid. Exactly. DC is better than Marvel. Have you ever read a Marvel? No, but I like DC. Well then you're ignorant. Right. You know? And it goes the same way. I only read Marvel because DC sucks. Well, what sucks about DC? I don't read that shit. It's like, well, then you just prove that you're a fucking moron. The more you open yourself to it, I and like I said, you know, I've read, I read, I read primarily Marvel because I grew up, I grew up in, you know, the late '70s, early '80s. So in my view, at that point, early on, my exposure was cartoons, Spider-Man. Right. I saw, you know, Spider the Spider-Man cartoons, and then for the DC characters, I had Justice League, and then. Uh, well, not it wasn't Justice League. It was uh, Justice Friends or Super Friends. Super Friends. Super Friends. Super Friends, which is a horrible fucking show. Oh, I know. Super Friends and um, the Batman and Robin cartoon, which was basically kind of the same thing of the TV show. So right. it was kind of like, oh, I like Superman and or I like Spider Man. He's a little bit better. And then Superman was very clean cut. I kind I liked the the Marvel characters because they seemed a little edgy at the time. And then when I started getting the comics, I started reading them. I read a little bit of Superman and Batman, and they didn't really catch me. And then later on, it it started to. Um, yeah, and then I was I was born in 1984, so now we're talking when I was of age to comprehend television, Batman animated series, the the um the ba- original Batman film. Yeah, you know, and 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 DC was was catching its stride again. You know, they go through lulls. But um, also, my my uncle 
for his DC Lulz over. as that, in so those, L-U-L-L, not L-O-L-Z. <laughs> so a, a lot of comics that I read were given to me by my uncle, and he would bring what he was reading that I could read because right. he does read some kind of – was reading some adult shit. But um, he would bring the DC books. He, he loves Batman. He would bring that Superman. <laughs> yeah, like stuff like that. Um, so that was what was being given to me. The only Marvel character I really loved when I was a kid is the one that everyone loves, which is Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, because you can relate everyone to loves Spider-Man is he's, – he's fucking Spider-Man. You can't – if someone says they hate Spider-Man, they have no fucking soul. <laughs> Like it's it's just it's Spider Man. He's the most relatable and lovable fucking superhero there is. Because of the fact, because down. he's a kid, and when you you get exposed to him, you're a kid too. So it's like, oh right. wow, that's what my life would be if I was a superhero. You know, it would be, you know, well, I'd have to be a superhero and and fucking you know do my homework, right? Still go to you know, school, stuff like yeah. that. You know, um, I, I I think that that's a good point though. Is where when did you grow up? Yeah. You know, if if you're growing up in, in in more, and we're not, Steve and I are not too different in age. It's about ten years, I think. Yeah. But um, he did he he was coherent <laughs> during the peak of Marvel when they were just exploding, like just so. And it was all like we said that social commentary, that more relatable stuff. And DC was kind of in a in a slow point at that at that time. I mean, the, and then I was the only big I was thing around me, when DC the only was big up. DC thing for me was Superman and Superman Two. And both I loved as a kid and I loved Superman, you know, but at that time. But those I, movies at the time had a very different tone than the book at the time. Yeah. Too. And then but then, you know, of course, you know, by the time uh, Batman came out, I was a teenager. So it was like, oh, this is cool. Like it kind of reintroduced me to Batman, you know, and it was like kind of like, a, oh, OK, this is kind of cool. I like that kind of edgy Batman, not the, you know, Cape Crusader, you know. Right. <laughs> I always found it interesting, those original Superman movies, and I'm not saying original, original, like way back in the day, but I'm talking about like um, the uh, Christopher Reeves ones. Mm-hmm. That's very much a golden age Superman. And those those movies came out in the Silver Age and then ran into the Bronze Age. And But the Superman that they show, especially in the first one, mm-hmm. is very much golden age. He's happy-go-lucky. He always does the right thing. And it, he's, but he's in a world that's very reminiscent of the skepticism of the time. Exactly. So that, that which, which made, made the movie good, interesting. Which, yeah, because yeah. you had him going like, you know, when he says, "Well, golly, those oh, gee, not a lot of people feel comfortable saying golly." You know, it's like yeah, and Lois, Lois, especially for the time, was a very independent female character. Mm-hmm. She didn't put up with shit. She was in control of her own life, and that that started happening in that era too with movies where you saw women taking more prominent roles, but. It, it was the contrast of it was was so brilliant and, and and again it came out at that time that was just perfect everything melted together and just made this this symphony of beauty as 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 one would say <laughs> the same thing with the batman movie though the original batman movie that one came out and it was just like blew everyone's fucking mind like they were like what i saw that movie when i was 6 right and and i was like this, this who's batman like i was freaking out and then i just started devouring comic books and that that was the well, yeah real, you like, were at that had, impressional age where i was at when i saw super right was that because at that age. time at that time i was reading comics but i was reading like the looney tunes i was i was reading you know kids comics right. little kid comics and then when i saw that batman movie oh man that i was i was on the track i was like <laughs> superheroes for life right. like i was freaking out 
you know, so it's, um, (laughs) and then also, of course, growing up around that same time, the Batman animated series was just so fucking brilliant. I mean, the great, still one of the greatest cartoons that have ever been created, in my opinion. And, Um, and like, you know, and, and for like, for Marvel fans, we kind of, we had shit movies. Like there were, there was a lot of shit movies that came out for Daredevil. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you're going back even further, you know, it's just like some of the stuff that just, that come out and we had the, the Hulk TV series and Thor just looked ridiculous and all of that. And then, you know, late nineties, we had the original flash television series, which was probably one of the coolest things we had seen at that point, you know, and who plays, you know, Jake Eric in the new flash television series. Um, but uh, then you, we started getting into. It took till the late '90s before we actually got a good Marvel movie, which was the original X-Men movie, which right. I, I think was still like it. It kind of set the, like it, people say like, well, you know, superhero movies didn't get dark until Nolan's Batman. And it's like no, that's not necessarily true because the original X-Men and X2 were both very dark. Oh yeah, they were, and they both did really well. I liked the, the X Men movies. It actually got me reinterested in them because by that point they had started to kind of mirror um, the. They had kind of gotten dark again and um, topical and things like that. And then eventually we had the um, you know the first Sam Raimi Spider Man movie, and then eventually the the uh, and then Spider Man two, and then it kind of sat for a little bit until we got Iron Man. You know, because Fantastic Four was just crap. Ghost Rider was crap. You know, we all of those, all of those. I mean, the Blade movies were okay, but you know, well, Blade was kind of a different yeah. thing. A lot of people don't even realize that was a comic book movie. Yeah, that's true. Um, when Marvel got control of their properties again, yeah. that that's when we really started seeing um, some shine. I think the only, the only Marvel character movie I liked that wasn't made by Marvel was was the original Spider Man, especially Spider Man Two. Yeah. Um, with Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man Two was amazing, but then they fucked it up with Spider-Man <laughs> oh, Three. God. So yeah. you know, and, and then Sony tried again, and, and it wasn't working. And now this new one seems to be, although it fell off in the second weekend. They were talking about that. Every movie falls off it was, in the second weekend. Yeah, but they said it was the lowest, the lowest second weekend for any Marvel film. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a shit movie. It was just something interesting I read. Um, but I think that goes in turn too with people are getting a little a little jaded with Spider-Man in general in the movies because it's been rebooted so many fucking times yeah. you know um but and then you you have DC that has to cat retry to catch up because we've had fucking civil war at this point which was huge for Marvel especially because they had Spider-Man in that one and now we have Infinity War coming out next year and they're finally just getting Justice League off the ground this year so it's like you know, yeah, they have a lot of ground to cover, but I hope it does well. I want to be able to go to the movies and see DC and Marvel movies and then hoping one day that maybe we can have that DC Marvel movie. Oh my can god. Can you imagine that? Like can you imagine but see, can you imagine the fanboy hate on that? That just like the I internet would, would melt I would the say, fuck down. I would say that would happen if DC and Marvel were the people making the movie sold. Yeah. But since we have Disney involved and Time Warner involved, I don't think that would ever fucking happen. To be honest with you. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. All right. Even though they would both make a shit ton of fucking money. Oh, God, yeah. That would be, you know, it's like all your financial problems will be over. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So on that extreme note, 
let's go ahead and just uh, round out the show with our douchebags of the week. So my douchebag of the week is um um is a little is a little is basically goddamn it internet. Uh, the internet is an interesting place. Earlier this week, we brought up the sentiment based on the whole mustache issue with Justice League reshoots, even though that was not the point of the story. But it seems that the users of the of said internet seem to lose all rational logic when posting stories. Now it seems that the internet has lost its mind again with the concept that Batman may be a meta-human. It seems that the latest issue of DC Comics Suicide Squad number 22, Amanda Waller declared Batman a meta and sent out Harley Quinn, Deadshot, Katana, and the rest after him and Killer Frost. Since then, the non-faithful, which is what I'm calling these people, because if they're actually having this debate, they're not faithful fans, uh, have been stabbing their eyes, believing that Batman has been a meta the whole time and that DC is rewriting his history. Keep in mind, that would be some major history to rewrite. For rational, forgive using the term when talking about comic fans, people would read the line Waller said and know that is a bold-faced lie because Waller has an agenda. She's always has an agenda. Unfortunately, that does not stop the rabid fan base from thinking that this is that it this is a secret that would be dropped to change the entire DC universe. First off, Batman is not a meta. Waller would say anything, even lie, I know, right? To end her, to get to her end game because anyone around her is collateral damage. Not only that, if that was a game changing moment in DC history, it would be doubtful that DC would drop it in the pages of Suicide Squad and not the main Batman title, the one of many. Uh, Scott Snyder took to Twitter to comment on the issue by saying he's not a meta. Not to speak for Suicide Squad, but Batman is not a meta. He gets his powers from stories like Dark Seed War, and he's even been a meta in, nat- in, um, in nature. And he throws up a, a gift in there. He's a meta of awesome. He, he is meta in his awesomeness, but that's a different matter. Eventually, Suicide Squad writer Rob Williams had to weigh in and tell people they are reading too much into it. Really? Comic fans reading too much into a comic? Uh, yeah. People are reading too much into this Waller slash people. The people's goal in the current lo- storyline is to lock away all superhumans, Batman included. Whether Batman has powers or not doesn't mean to him slash uh, to her slash them. Given his actions and how he runs with the Justice League, he's a target. At the end of the day, everybody knows Bat- was, Batman was never gifted with any kind of superpowers. Batman is the DC equivalent of Iron Man. I know Iron Man came after, but you get my point. Batman is the smart vigilante that has major cash and great tech. He is not a meta and should never become one. If he ever does for more than a single story arc, then we would really be in trouble. He actually did for a single story arc. Well, I'm mean, instead um, for more than a single story arc. Yeah, because it was recently. The Dark he, it, was, it was with that chair mm-hmm. and he could see the he move around in time and shit yeah. it was lame um <laughs> well the thing is and and another thing and it kind of makes sense for waller to even say that and i'm going to be a typical dc fan i'm going to read far too much into it <laughs> um batman by by his uh his nature he's mysterious right so a lot of people don't know what he um i mean we we've all read stories seen cartoons and all that where you see the 
the average thug or whatever, they're all sitting around, they're talking about Batman, and they're like, I heard he hangs upside down to sleep, or I heard that he can see in the dark, or I heard, you know, they, they don't they don't quite know how he does the things he does. You know, because he's a fucking ninja. Because he's a baller. Exactly. Because he's a fucking G, that's hmm. why. You know, Ballers so it's... it's secrets. And then also, too, yeah, he's not meta, he's... he's, he's not an average man, but he has he doesn't He's have any meta, special but powers. on a different level. Exactly. Like he 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 fights and wins meta villain. You know, so he's in the same he's in the same ballpark. It's just the way it is. Through actions. Through skill and not <laughs> um through skill and not powers does Batman win the day. <laughs> you know, so it's so stupid. People freak out about nothing. And yes, it was probably mostly DC fans that oh, yeah. <laughs> freaked out about it. Um, you know, Marvel fans were like, is. "Oh, that's weird." <laughs> right? Like, "Oh, that's interesting." You know. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> Jesus, this one, this one just made me laugh, especially for the picture of the guy that they got. But a report of a garish clown brandishing a machete with no la- was no laughing matter to police in Maine. Uh, who took a 31-year-old man... Let me read that again. 31-year-old man into custody for frightening residents in a small rural community. The incident began Tuesday evening when a concerned citizen called police and said a man dressed as a clown and armed with a machete was milling about near a Hollis convenience store. When state police troopers arrived on the scene, witnesses told them the man had fled into the woods. Roughly an hour later, authorities patrolling in nearby Waterboro... Um, spotted the creepy clown exiting a wooded area. According to police, the suspect, identified as Corey Berry of Hollis, uh, was wearing a black hooded sweatshirt and a clown mask. A machete was duct taped to his amputated arm, police said. State Trooper Adam Schmidt told WCSN-TV, I guess I don't have to say dash, (laughs) but you know, uh, that Berry was, now pay attention, this might be a surprise, Barry was intoxicated. Really? No. <laughs> Questioned by police, Barry said he was clowning around. <laughs> <laughs> I would have broke out laughing, dude. I see what um, you did try- there is what I was saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> trying to play a prank that, that copied the creepy clown sightings that have garnered media attention in recent years, the Associated Press reported. Whether he meant to do anything or not, it's pretty scary. Witness Lindsay Borton told WCSH TV. No dash that time. <laughs> um, state police also filed or failed to find humor in the creepy clown gag and charge Barry with criminal threatening. Uh, he was released. You don't usually hear criminal threatening. Yeah. yeah what is it? He was released from York County Jail after posting a $200 bond. So if you follow the link on the show notes at thelazygeeks.com, they took a picture of him in front of the the squad SUV. And he's just like, what up? I'm like, the look on his face is priceless. Um, it, this one just made me laugh. Like, you you have an amputated leg, an amputated arm, might as well tape a fucking machete to right, it. Right, because that's what you do. Right. So, and he wasn't dressed, really dressed. He was in a hoodie and jeans, and he had a clown mask. She got arrested for that beard. Right? It's real scruffy looking yeah, in Yeah, and that little poof at the bottom of the chin. It's right. Like, what are you and doing? Comb your fucking comb your hair. What are you, what are you doing? He kind of looks like the lead singer of Metallica a little bit, <laughs> doesn't he? Doesn't he? Yeah. What they didn't say is that when they stopped him, he was like, 
drugs in life. You're right. He's talking about Sandman and all types of weird shit. But yeah. The priest under your bed. <laughs> in your closet. In your head. <laughs> I love that song. So anyway, that's our episode <laughs> for the week. Please rate and review the show on iTunes which always helps. Uh, if you want to catch any of our older episodes, you can find them on Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, as well as our website, thelazyfix.com. If you want to suggest stories for the show, you can share them on our Facebook page. We also have other social media outlets as well, Twitter and Instagram, both under the name The Lazy Geeks, one word. Um, we want any feedback you want to provide, negative, positive, um, tell us what you think threats. about. Uh, tell you what you tell us that we're wrong about DC and Marvel being right. coexisting. Please, <laughs> if you are a fanboy of either, please comment. I, I want to know the logic behind aiding one and loving the other. And we will make um, fun of you, right? And if if you don't use social media because your tinfoil hat gets in the way, you can definitely Alex Jones send told us you not to. <laughs> that's right. You can definitely send us an email at the the geeks at thelazygeeks.com. And you can find me on the internet on Twitter at a middle-aged geek, Instagram, middle-aged underscore geek, or you could check out my other podcast, the Extended Play Movie Podcast, uh, over and blog over at themiddleagegeek.com. One thing I wanted to clear up, uh, last week I said this week's episode was going to be uh, a Casino. Actually, it was The Untouchables. I got my weeks mixed up. Uh, Fuck yeah. <laughs> so last week was The Untouchables, which was a really cool episode. Um, I, I, I enjoyed that one. But this week is going to be Casino, and this week we'll round out our um, our <laughs> inadvertent Robert De Niro uh, arc. <laughs> so check us out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we pick we picked four movies, and then at the end we go, oh shit, all of these have Robert De Niro in it. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so. Um, and I am also on Twitter at SapienTLG. And, uh, you know, if you're a parent, I started a blog, uh, the outnumbered dad blog dot WordPress dot com. <laughs> Check that out if you want. And be sure to tune in on Friday for our Just Another Podcast podcast. Uh, yeah. this, this week, we're going to be talking about some life changing things, what we're doing in our life, as well as Adam's blog that he just mentioned. <laughs> Right. So, I just fucking dropped it. Like, whatever. Figure it out. Dropped it like it's hot. Dropped it like it's right. hot. Hey. So uh, be sure to tune in on Friday for that. So that is it for us this week. So until next time, peace out. This has been a production of the Lazy Geeks Network, available only at thelazygeeks.com. Goodbye.